Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, to the recap. This is the Escapist Weekly Live Show, all about the latest in uh, movies, TV, and streaming. Uh, this is episode number 36 for Tuesday, June 20th. Uh, my name is Marty Sleva. I'm joined by Darren Mooney and Jack Packard. What's up, fellas? Hello. 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 I, I'm i slightly upset because, um, you know, you invited me to, to come and join you on on the podcast and you said hey we're you know we're probably going to spend most of the time talking about the flash um mm-hmm. i had not seen the flash and yesterday i had uh, two, uh, two earmarks for work yesterday one was okay. editing the new season of adventures nigh and <gasps> plug plug and two was uh you know trying to get in a little more tears of the kingdom playtime and because i had to see the flash uh i got to do neither of them so you thanks. should have brought your switch to the theater <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would have been nice, or your laptop to do some editing. Either one, yeah. would, have, either one would have been fine. I think that uh, set up a little mini office. You yeah, have plenty of yeah. seats around you. you exactly just... in the Chrono Dome. I don't know what that thing is called. I think it might be called the Chrono Dome. It is called the Chrono Dome, I believe. Perfect. And it, inten- Chrono Dome. it intentionally looks like that, so you can't uh, criticize it. Oh God! Uh, welcome everyone uh, uh, to the show. Uh, yes, Pure Pyro has some house cleaning things um, or housekeeping. Uh, we are not streaming on twitch for the time being uh twitch's new rules uh said that you cannot simulcast to twitch and another platform at the same time and since our audience is much larger and and we make a lot more money on youtube uh for now we are not streaming on twitch if they change things maybe we'll go back uh and of course thank you to everyone for for your memberships your super chats those all help uh keep the lights running and keep our weird ideas flowing Mm -hmm. including beast march right off the bat five dollars a quick dono for the excellent flash review epic work Uh, i completely agree this was one of my favorite things we've had this is my second favorite review of the year after the scream review that that jack helped out i was that was that was that one that was jack's one but yeah yeah to casey like again i i should be very frank here i do the easy part all the bad (laughs) easy stuff is me all the actual good hard work are the people who do the editing we're like the jack will testify having listened to my ramblings it's like i have a bunch of crazy ideas and no ideas how to to actually implement them if you could sort that out and get this released by the end of the week that'd be fantastic so it's the Um, sydney opera house you're like i got this crazy idea for building (laughs) yeah so i'm more of an ideas guy um we need that as a as a tier as like a patreon tier where it's like if you donate enough you get the unedited darren audio Which, I mean, no, by the way, as no. as a as a, a Darren fan in general, it was great just listening to the madness unfold. Yeah, <laughs> it's it tends to be quite stream of consciousness. Um, but shout out uh, on the flash review to Casey because I, mm-hmm. I had a high concept for that. Um, I got to see it a little bit early, which meant we had a bit of time to do the edit on it. Uh, I pitched it. Uh, Casey like ran with it, which is appropriate enough for a flash review. Um, and I was just blown away by actually seeing that it came together, that it worked at all. I think it worked really well, which isn't an arrogant thing to say, given I'm fairly sure I know why it worked. Yeah. Um, but it 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 was. I, I'm really impressed. And I'm really proud of it. I'm really glad people seem to like it. I like. Yeah, and know. it's almost and it's performing really well. It's almost at 40k views, yeah. which nice. is uh, nice. which is wonderful. So um, everyone, check that out. Uh, so yeah, obviously our big topic today is going to be the Flash. We'll we'll start off with a non-spoiler. Um, our thoughts on it. Um, sort of high-level thoughts. Sure. Uh, then I think in order to really talk about the movie, we do have to go into spoilers. Um, so we will obviously do that. And then afterwards, um, we'll talk, you know, hopefully we've been watching things we enjoy more. Jack, I want to hear your thoughts on Across the Spider-Verse, which um, I know we gushed about, but I'm sure you're going to have some gushing to do. Um, I have some very strong feelings about Spider-Verse. 
Uh, and, oh. uh, I know you've watched. Uh, you've you've watched. Did you watch all of Black Mirror? Uh, I did. I've watched No Hard Feelings as well. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's Both the new J Law movie. The J. Oh, I saw the J Law fans got angry. Yeah, at you. yeah, yeah. They're there. There, there is a hive, and it can be revoked. Um. Oh no. Yeah, oh yeah, they lay, they laid down the J Law. Yeah, which was funny because it was a tweet thread where you're like, I really like Jennifer Lawrence. Just didn't work in this movie. <laughs> kind of kind of a problem with the movie that they don't know how to use this incredibly talented actor, and it's like yeah. you wash your mouth out. <laughs> Um, we can also, uh, as uh, the Pepper 3000 with uh, a generous, uh, been a member for five months, thank you so much, says it's Craven time. Did you guys get a chance to watch the Craven trailer? No, no. Oh, Craven, the hunter. Yeah, oh, I know. I saw that it's out. No, I'm not watching the trailer. Listen. Oh, because you don't want to be spoiled. You want to go in fresh. Yeah, yeah. You want to get, like, preserve the surprise of the cinematic masterpiece. If if the Morbin time mean couldn't resurrect Morbius, (laughs) Craven time is not going to work either, Pepper. (laughs) I think it's going to be good. He's I think so it was angry. It gets turned into Craven by getting bit by a lion. On lion like, blood. Yeah. He had literally. He doesn't have tiger blood. He has lion blood. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, I there's a is it the Irish film critic Richard Drum made the note that like he was watching the trailer and the opening monologue. He's like, "This is an impossibly terribly bad accent. I wonder who could possibly be behind it." And then when the reveal is Russell Crowe is the is the lead character's evil dad, he was like, "I'm in immediately." Russell yeah. Crowe with a questionable Russian accent ah. monologuing about how everyone is prey and we are predators. Um, it's like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're I mean, I'm, JC Shandor, JC Shandor makes pretty good action movies. Yes. What, what, yeah. ha, what have they made? Uh, Triple Frontier. Did you see Triple Frontier? I did not see Triple Frontier. Oh my God. It's he, got three he did all his loss. Yeah. All his loss. Which is two more than most movies. He did yeah. all his loss as well. Did you do Margin Call or was it in, which was the one he did? He did Margin Call. Not an action movie, call. but good. I, I I mean, it does have like a third act climax where the world collapses. I think like, yeah. you can call it. Yeah. What's, what's bigger? What is bigger action than an economic crisis? Uh, yeah. All right. You're, you're getting me in You're You're reeling me in here. Yeah, uh, I, I feel the need to, to clarify that my excitement for Craven is largely ironic, but I'm catching it <laughs> just in case. I like how they're putting in that October slot of like, ooh, the Joker made a billion dollars in this slot. Maybe Craven will. Maybe we can just trick people into going to see Craven in October. Yeah. Um, so it's like, got to see something before Dune Part Two, right? Uh, exactly. What if Craven's better than Dune? What if Craven makes more money than The Flash? It's possible. It's possible. That is possible. That is a possible reality we live in. Yeah. What if Craven outgrosses Quantum Mania? Also possible. Ooh, also possible. Maybe we just need less multiverses and more Craven verses. <laughs> Craven. <laughs> oh, there's I also a tease of the Rhino at the end of the trailer. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, but not Paul Giamatti's Paul Giamatti. Rhino. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Giamatti's Rhino is something we as a culture did not value enough, like as an institution. Yeah. With the again Russell Crowe level accent work. Him doing the talk show circuit where he talks about his process as an actor, which I just love where he's like, you know, with most roles, you have to get inside the head of a character. You got to figure out what they're thinking. What I loved about playing this character was it was, is there a wall? I hit it with my head. Is it a spider? I hit it with my head. The answers were all very obvious. There you go. Absolutely. And by the way, did everyone in the stream just hear all the things that Darren said? Because, um... 
For some for some reason, Darren, you cut out. But uh, according to OBS, the PC audio wobble was still wobbling. So I think everyone I else heard just it. heard that. I'm sorry, and I didn't. No, and I don't know oh. why I didn't. I just I think it was literally just me, and uh, everyone else heard it. So yeah, everyone. That's why Craven will be the rom- most romantic movie of 2023. Oh, yeah. also huge month for Craven because Spider Man Two game is coming out, and Craven seems like the main antagonist in that Ooh. game in October. <laughs> Oh my God! Month of Craven. We got we got. It's Craven Bar- time. We got Barbie week coming. We got Craven week coming. Got a lot of weeks coming. Jack, we need to we, we need, need to start planning Barbie week. That's soon. What do you mean planning? Here is my Game Boy Advance <laughs> copy of Barbie uh, Secret Agent, and here is my Wii copy of Barbie and the Three Musketeers, all ready for Barbie month. Um, Barbie, I like that it's expanded to Barbie month now. You mean Barbie, Barbie creep? Barbie every creep is real. It, every time you say it, it goes up in margin of time. Barbie biannualness. <laughs> you know the alliteration. The alliteration <laughs> of Willow Week was so nice. So, but no Barbie yeah. Week. I am nothing but prepared for Barbie Week. You just tell me when it's happening. Uh, I am yeah. incredibly excited about the Barbie movie. <laughs> yeah. As someone How do you who stream a Game Boy Advance game. Um, there's a couple ways that you can do it. Uh, one way, uh, I can do it is with this happy little fella, oh, look uh, which it looks like a harmonica, which like a see-through harmonica. Uh, this is an epilogue. Uh, basically it's a, it's a Game Boy Advance player that you can plug into your computer. Uh, I also have the Game Boy Advance player for my GameCube. Uh, oh, yeah. and, uh, my brother who is into, um, modding, uh, video game modding, uh, gave my GameCube, all stock GameCube, a HDMI out. Wow. I know. Oh, it was like the best birthday present ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. so, so there's actually several ways we can stream a Game Boy Advance game. Oh my God. This, this is going to be incredible. This Barbie is going to be Barbie, Barbie month. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Uh, relax a toddle games uh, with a 499 don't know. So, Jack, I miss you where you were on slightly something else, but I just started Adventures Nigh, and your talking door made my day. Just joined the Escapist YouTube, you amazing people. Uh, thank you cool. so much, Rex Tuttle. Um, And speaking of uh, Adventures Nigh, uh, well, Jack already mentioned he's working at editing it. That will be debuting. Season three will be debuting next month, also known as Barbie Month. Um, but uh, also our dice envy dice almost sold out. Almost when we said that there were limited out. quantities and they're selling like hotcakes, we're almost at single digits left. That's beautiful. Wow. That's it's, beautiful. It's incredible. So if you want it, if you want them, it's getting dicey. It's getting dicey, and if you miss out, you're gonna be very envious. You better roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Uh, so so check those out. Uh, those are in limited supply. Uh, you can get those now. And then Jewel Rao with a with a two euro dono said, "Are people craving Craven?" I know. I, I, I think the choice to make a Craven movie is quite Craven, if you ask me. It is weird. Sony is weird. <laughs> For all the weirdness DC is doing, at least it's like, well, I guess on paper, a Flash movie bringing a bunch of old actors back makes sense in terms of how do we mine the past and get people into theaters. Right. Like, oh, we can put Michael Keaton in this movie. You can you can see the math there. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, all right. Which, yeah, but Craven, a villain who like most people just remember from the cartoon, like yeah. a couple episodes of the cartoon, uh-huh. maybe like deep cuts in the comic, but um I don't understand. No. It's when you when all you have is a Spider-Man shaped hammer franchise, 
everything looks like a Craven movie. Because like, that, that's, that's the thing. It's like Sony got dealt this hand that is at once brilliant because it allows them to make billion dollar Spider-Man movies, mm-hmm. but also don't have any other viable franchises. Paramount has obviously like Star Trek. It has Transformers. It has Mission Impossible. Uh, Warner's obviously have their DC stuff and all the other legacy stuff as well. Disney have like Marvel and Star Wars and all that. And like, that Sony is just like, well, what have we got in the toy chest? Spider-Man, more Spider-Man. What? And my favorite detail, um, and they did rebrand this, I think, in 2020 when somebody read this out loud. But the initial title of their shared universe, when everybody was naming shared universes like the Dark Universe or mm-hmm. the DC Extended Universe, yeah, was yeah. the. And I want I want listeners to type this out and sound it out in their heads. The Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters. Or the spunk, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Let's just go. Maybe they yeah. never maybe no one ever wrote it down. Like these yeah. things were only said out loud. Yeah. Spunk. <laughs> they That's spunked it. all over. They did rebrand in 2020. They quietly spunk. dropped that when they announced Spider-Verse 2. Yeah. Um beautiful. Probably probably, probably a, a, a a bullet dodge there. So good good on them. Uh Pivoting back to the Flash. Um, oh no! We'll start we off with to? our. I know, <laughs> I know. We could just we could have pivoted into Spider Verse, which would have been really nice to just talk about that more because that would a delight. Um, right. But uh, people people came for the Flash, so we we will give them the Flash. We'll start off with some non spoiler stuff. Uh, Darren already uh, posted your uh, your review. You also have a bunch of uh, great mm. written pieces that I'll be posting. But yes. um, just a high level, what did uh, starting off? What did you think of the movie, Darren? Uh, did not like it. Um, so as anybody who has like browsed uh, my Twitter feed or any of those articles will praise. <laughs> I, like everybody else, I was kind of inherently cautious of this from the outset. Very troubled production. Uh, stories of like directors and writers fleeing the project. The fact that like DC and Warners have been trying to will this into existence since like 1980. And this is a movie that steadfastly refuses to get made. And through controversy after controversy after controversy, Warner Brothers just persist on willing it into existence through sheer force of will. And that is something that makes me inherently skeptical because mm-hmm. I know the reason that it's being willed into existence is because an executive did the maths and figured a Flash movie would be profitable, not because anybody cares about a Flash movie. But I think a couple of months before it premiered, you started seeing buzz online from people and, you know, take all this stuff with a grain of salt. It's it's all usually hype or whatever, but fan screenings and people saying this is the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. Uh, take a drink whenever you hear that about a new project. Blue Beetle will be the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. 100%. Aquaman 2 will be the best DC movie since The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And Superman Legacy will definitely be the best <laughs> DC movie. But, like, I... I Against all odds, when that stuff started trickling out, and it started coming from, you know, people who I recognized, names that I saw, mm-hmm. um, I started getting a little bit cautiously optimistic about it when I started seeing again, and this is this is more fool me when I started seeing like Stephen King, who worked with Andy Machete on it, or uh, Tom Cruise, who just loves movies and whose head would explode if you tried to get him to say that he didn't like a movie was like, this is the best movie ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, maybe this will be good. And I remember sitting in to watch it and like this creeping feeling of dread washing mm-hmm. over me. From the moment that the first computer-generated baby appears on screen, and that is a reference out of context, but it gets you everything. Oh, Jack had an earlier moment of doubt, did he? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, what what I'm going to say is I'm going to actually one-up you here, which is that first entire opening action sequence. 
I was okay with. Like <laughs> CG babies aside, like okay, that's fine. They they were setting up a decent standard superhero action movie. This is not a spoiler because this is the first five yeah. minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the first five minutes of the movie, Flash is feeling underappreciated in his role uh, as a Justice League member and as a metahuman in general. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. This is a simple like, hey, my coworkers don't appreciate me. I have to prove my worth to myself. And I, I was sold for that first five minutes. Uh, then the movie just completely forgets about that. But uh, so, no, I was there. I was there for that little goofy little speedster action sequence. All right. Well, that was the point where I was like, it does feel like somebody gave up on this movie very early in the creative <laughs> process was the moment like when when the flash played by Ezra Miller puts a baby in a microwave. I was like, OK, this feels like nobody involved in this movie sat down and had a conversation about it. But, yeah, it, it very quickly <laughs> derailed. I think my several big problems with it structurally. You mentioned that it does have a very clear setup like th this is like an an ice cream sandwich of a movie where there are like thin slivers of movie at other end. And then there's fan service in the middle yes. where the central arc of this movie. And it is not a spoil because it's, it's the basic premise of the arc that this is based on. It's all over the trailers is Barry Allen wants to travel back in time to save his mother's life. That is the core emotional arc of the movie. And it's a very simple, very straightforward, very emotionally investing arc. Again, mm -hmm something like back to the future which is a movie explicitly invoked by this movie uses a similar arc i want to get my parents together and save time the problem is that like the movie spends a solid 20 minutes setting up that dynamic so it it establishes nora allen as a character it establishes barry's relationship with her i thought that stuff was actually reasonably sweet and then nora allen disappears for an hour and 40 minutes while a bunch of other stuff that has no relationship to her or her relationship to barry whatsoever happens and then at the end the movie goes oh by the way you remember that this was about Barry's mother. Let's reintroduce Barry's mother and give them a scene together. I'm like, this doesn't feel earned in any way that is meaningful. Um, and again, throughout, you have this kind of weird sense of the movie being at odds with itself thematically where, and again, you mentioned the idea of this be setting up what is a movie and part of it is you're right the uh, my co-workers don't respect me movie mm -hmm. it's also, also a lot of calories i just need a yeah, lot of calories to, all the sugar <laughs> the, the, the central thesis of the movie thematically is the idea that like we are all flawed damaged people who have had bad things happen to us in our lives mm -hmm. uh we have all either done terrible things or had terrible things done to us and the way that we work through that is to go forward. We progress, we move on, we yes. don't go back and we don't fixate. That is the central thematic thrust of the movie. It becomes a bit problematic when you've got Ezra Miller at the center of it. And the movie is like, ah, I'm not really touching that. But you have like a really touching scene with like Ben Affleck, who's an actor who's like, as, you know, he's had obviously gambling addiction, alcohol addiction. He's gone through a divorce. He's had a very rough time of it for like the most handsome, richest man alive. But like that moment where he's talking to Barry early on in the movie and he says, look, my mistakes are my own. My flaws are my own. My traumas are my own. And if you reverse those, you take away from who I am. You destroy me. I'm no longer who I am if you change those things. And Barry's like, fair point. And then goes and does it anyway. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. This is a movie about the idea of living with your scars and your traumas, living with the mistakes that you've made and the mess in which you find yourself. And the entire movie itself as a product, as a project, 
as an object is about now nah, but the past was pretty cool you really want to live there if you wanted to as well here's all the fun stuff you remember and by the way we're going to erase this entire shared universe which we've all agreed is a mistake um which is very much at odds with the central premise of well we learn from our mistakes and the movie's like no you don't you just rub them out well to be fair without getting too much into spoilers to be fair the mo- the plot of the movie also says well Barry doesn't really learn a lesson here either. Gets yeah. kind of what he wants anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no, yeah. the, the entire, it, it is amazing how like we get a very, such a clear setup of a character arc uh, that is then uh, erased. Uh, so then we get set up a character arc set up number two, which is I want my mom back, which mm-hmm. then uh, the movie forgets about that. So we can go nostalgia jumping for if if your ice cream sandwich metaphor, like we are talking 98 percent ice cream, yeah, one percent <laughs> crackers on either side, um, because we don't care about the Flash's mom. The Flash doesn't care about Flash's mom. For most of this movie, it is phenomenal how they can stop a movie and you can feel it. You can feel it in the theater of just like, oh, oh, this is what you're doing. Come on now. It's it is uh, it's almost a piece of art, like how they can just stop a plot and like, oh, look, I found a shiny little penny. My shiny penny uh, is just Man of Steel, apparently. Yeah, can we talk about that? That is the thing that really weirds me out about this movie. It's like, I... I don't hate the Snyder uh, DC movies as much as everybody else does, apparently. I don't love them. I don't hate them. I think they're interesting objects. Um, But, like, the thing is, yeah... This entire the entire point of this movie is largely we're rebooting the DCU after what Zack Snyder did to it. That is the subtext of this movie. Yeah. Without getting into spoilers, it's very obvious that Henry Cavill is one of the few Justice Leaguers who doesn't appear in this movie, along with Ray Fisher, who alleged that like racist abuse happened on the set of Justice League. Like the central crux of this movie is everything from Man of Steel was a mistake, and we are finally correcting it. Mm-hmm. And by the way, as we rummage through this little package of nostalgia and actors we could convince to come back by waving a big enough check in their faces like uh, so you know how you you know how we're rebooting for man of steel you guys like man of steel right because we got michael shannon right yeah. we got the <laughs> climax of how would you like to revisit the climax of man of steel michael in this shannon movie? definitely doesn't want to be there though he's like we got michael <laughs> shannon he does not want to be here he's not thrilled about it but we got him <laughs> i feel like that's most actors in the movie though <laughs> <laughs> they do not care to be there. Yeah, and, it, and like and the same thing with like the the Batman stuff with again Michael Keaton is in the movie. I think mm. I don't think that's a spoiler. It's all over the ads. But like the central thing about Michael Keaton's Batman is he's Tim Burton's Batman. He's a weirdo. He looks odd. Um, he has this kind of outlook that is uniquely Burton esque. He is not like any other version of Batman who ever appeared on screen. And you watch this movie and you're like. That could just as easily have been Val Kilmer or George Clooney or Adam West or Robert Pattinson or Christian Bale. And you're like, what even is the point of doing the nostalgia for that if you're not going to remind me in substance of what it is that I liked about that version of the character? Yes. That's, 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 yeah. I feel like there had to be a world of this script where that was supposed to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Thomas Wayne, right? which is kind of what they set up in the Justice League movies and Batman Superman Mm -hmm. is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan plays Thomas Wayne and in the Flashpoint uh, comic Comic run. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, 
in that universe, Thomas Wayne is the one who became Batman because Bruce and Martha, uh, Martha didn't get shot that night. Bruce did. Uh, and so Bruce dies. He becomes Batman. And then uh, Martha becomes the Joker, right? Or a Joker-esque yep. figure. Yep. And so it feels like that was originally what they were set up for. And then at some point, someone was like, you know what works? Uh, nostalgia. <laughs> and uh, what's more nostalgic than Batman 89? <laughs> and let's 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 not understand any of what made this character good. But let's pull the actual lines and visual iconography we'll just use but, that but only but only a piece of the visual iconography yeah. because by yeah. the way how fucking weird is it to see tim burton's batmobile drive around yeah. modern day gotham city yeah. fucking what oh yeah <laughs> and and oh, cgi yeah. like again seeing michael keaton's batman do the black adam pose which is not yeah. what he was designed to do the moment where like he goes into this scene this underground bunker and he's sweeping around all computer generated like he's ben affleck's batman in mm -hmm. batman versus superman and it's like i feel like you fundamentally misunderstand what it is i like about this character <laughs> even its physicality that said what i do like marty is the idea that the warner brothers executives were like no 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 we've seen walking dead jeffrey dean morgan already got to be a batman yeah oh fine because he fine. two characters people love with, him with, him with a bat that was okay, really all good, right actually. i'm sorry sorry no, that, was, no. that was kind of incredible <laughs> No, that was that was beautiful, Darren. All right, so we'll just call it there for the podcast. Nice and tight. Nice and tight. Just go two hours. Well, um, and so like that that is the 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 interesting aspect of the Flash, which I cannot not recommend enough. Like it is not. It's not uh, it's not even like a Morbius where it is so bad that you can find some enjoyment in the badness of it, where it is just bland and apparent that they are shoving things in to try to squeeze more money out of you to see uh, Michael Keaton's Batman act like a Batman, like a modern day Batman is bizarre. And it's it's like that. Uh, oh, what do you what do you call it? Um, not the Turing test. Uh, when something is too so real, uncanny valley. Thank you, uncanny valley. Yeah, yes, it is uncanny valley Batman, where like yeah. it, it looks so good, but you know it's not right, and that makes it seem even more not right. Uh, yeah. Oh man, like, yeah. he couldn't move his neck. Like when Michael Keaton was wearing the uniform, he had to move his entire upper body in whenever he wanted to turn. Yes. so it's kind of surreal to see him zipping around up and down, like he's in I don't know Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. <laughs> it, it just it feels wrong. It like fundamentally wrong. Fundamental. Like yeah. I think that's the the key point here is at the very core of him being such a large part of the movie it is fundamentally wrong not to mention story-wise having almost no effect on the main character arc of barry allen mm -hmm. because uh you know we get through this nostalgia thing and then the rest of the story has to wrap up within three minutes in which they yeah. shove flash stuff back in the flash movie it's absolutely I, I hate to steal a, a phrase here but it is 100 inconceivable the amount <laughs> The, the the fact that this movie exists in this order is is mind boggling. Well, and it's also it is it's kind of impossible to think about this movie and talk about this movie without considering everything outside of this movie. <laughs> and I'm not not only the the Ezra Miller of it all, mm. but also the fact that this Michael Keaton Batman was originally set to appear 
in several movies, including the Supergirl movie or the Batgirl movie, mm. which which uh, Zaslav just put in a drawer and said never again for for a tax write off, uh, and then in the Aquaman movie, which he apparently is not in anymore. Which yeah, I don't even know if that movie's coming out because what's going on there? <laughs> My favorite detail about that is that, like, apparently audiences were confused. They didn't even change for, like, editorial reasons. They changed yeah. because they test screened the movie and audiences were like, what the fuck is Michael Keaton doing here? So they were like, oh, shit. Um, like, okay, I guess he's Ben Affleck again. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether or not that fits with the ending of, like, The Flash. So that's not a spoiler for The Flash because The Flash probably didn't have an ending by this point based on what we know about The Flash's production. Mm, but I love yeah. that, like, Warners were just like, uh, uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah. like, please, Ben. Here's a dump truck full of money. Please. I know you said you were done, but please. <laughs> we mentioned it. Uh, we mentioned it last week, Jack. But uh, you have to imagine they came to Christian Bale at some point. Was like, how big of a check do we have to write to you? And good on him. I mean, because he's still young and still in a lot of move. That he's like, nah, I'm, I'm yeah, good. I'm, I'm I still good. Have my Thor love and thunder money. <laughs> yeah. I only work on projects that have artistic integrity, like Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Um, he got he got to play. He got to play in Thor Love and Thunder. I think like he was like, oh, he was this my favorite is... part of the movie, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, agreed, by the way. Yeah. So, you know, at least he got to play there. And he's like, no, I don't want to put on the bat suit again. I'm done with that. <laughs> we And then they're like, can we get Pattinson? No, that really won't make sense within the reality of the Batman. And oh, you <laughs> You want to know what's really crazy? Do you think they rang Joseph Gordon-Levitt like that? Like oh, how far down like the yeah. chain of yes. Batman did they go? Because it was not the rumor was that at one stage they wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt to be the DCU Batman. Oh my god, that would would it be great. like the direct sequel to Dark Knight? I, I don't know. I don't think they knew. I don't think they knew. Like, we are assuming they cared at all about any sort of continuity, <laughs> about things making sense. No, they, it was just name. What name can we get? Not, oh, we can't get this name? Can we get that name? Oh, he won't be there for the full movie? This name? This name? The, okay. <laughs> Michael Keaton. kind of seemed like Mad Libs, yeah. honestly. It did. And I guess that's what a lot of this, this current, like, we're in this fucking typhoon of of multiversal storytelling and some of yeah. it works really well like across the spider-verse everything everywhere all at once yeah. and some of it is falling flat like a lot of the mcu multiversal storytelling i think a lot of it's falling flat and that's kind of rough because it seems like that's what the next five years of the mcu is planned for so no 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 <laughs> multiversal storytelling starring jonathan majors thank you very much oh well, I haven't checked the news today. Let me see. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That, um, well, and so it's what what this, you know, what this is, is or what it feels like, what the Flash really feels like is once again, DC is fad chasing instead of just telling at very least competent stories. That's all we're asking for. Like, listen here, superhero <laughs> movies. I love them. You know why? It's sci-fi and it's action. That's all I care about. Meet the level of being a goofy sci-fi action movie and they can't even get there because they are fad chasing whilst also attempting to clean up what they perceive to be past messes even though the past messes have made them a million billion dollars and so they are cleaning up and fad chasing at the same time <laughs> like, like that that's the insanity of it is like again 
they released an R-rated Joker movie that grossed more than The Rise of Skywalker. Like they they released a three-hour Batman movie that made seven hundred and seventy million dollars <laughs> worldwide in the middle of a global pandemic. Boom. Uh, critically, they've reviewed like the the reviews for Peacemaker and The Suicide Squad are off the charts. Yeah. I mean, even something like Birds of Prey, which it seemed like a flop when it came out, managed to make two hundred million dollars before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's it's fascinating how they cannot get out of their own way and all all this stuff is like chasing the shared universe it is as you said it's fad chasing it's the idea marvel did it why can't we why can't we have the shiny toy that marvel have and it's like you look at what's worked for them in the past and what's worked for them in the past are like nolan's dark knight trilogy Mm -hmm. the batman by matt reeves joker even aquaman which is an eccentric blockbuster i don't really like aquaman but there is no movie like aquaman and Um, i unironically love Aquaman. I, thought, I, I, I fucking love Aquaman. Love Aquaman. I thought Black Manta was great. <laughs> I thought, like, be, because that's what I'm looking for. I like. I'm here for popcorn. I want big, weird action. Ah, <laughs> oh, this dude's talking to fish. This is great. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm not conceptually opposed to it. Like, I'm like, it has Julie Andrews plays a kraken. I'm not like, this is a movie that should tick all my boxes. It just doesn't. I'm not no, conceptually yeah, opposed to Aquaman, to be clear. But like, and, and it made a billion dollars. An Aquaman movie made a billion dollars and it wasn't even directed by James Cameron. What world do we live in? And it's like, yeah. they, they're just obsessed with this idea that they want what Marvel has. And like, I would argue... Looking at the state of the la- the landscape right now, even Marvel don't have what Marvel had. <laughs> like right. Marvel were in the right place at the right time, and they executed it pretty much perfectly, and they mm. were the first to do it. Which means that like everybody was on board. You can't pull the same trick twice. Even they, a studio that pulled the trick already, can't pull it twice. Mm. Why? And I know why. It's because Endgame was the biggest movie of all time. But it's also like, surely you realize how self defeating it is. And like the the weird thing with this movie is, and I don't know, we're we're kind of just shy of spoilers, so we'll kind of stop there. But I mean, the thing with this movie is that like it's half pregnant, where it seems like it's going to be a reboot. It seems like it was designed to be a reboot. It seems like it was designed to wipe the slate clean and be a fresh starting point, like the Flashpoint event, which Marty mentioned, which led into the new 52 and gave us a clean break and everything's new from here on out. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that during production, DC hired James Gunn and Gunn was like, yeah, I'm not going to be ready for another three years. So they're like, uh, okay, so what if it's kind of a reboot, but not really? <laughs> I don't know. We have two more movies coming up this year. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. It is strange that it like it definitely opened that door whilst also closing it, but like kind of leaving the key on the doormat-ish. The, once we get into the complexities of the in-universe reality of opening the multiverse door, by the way, which which again adds to like the complete breakdown of the story of the Flash, making making less than no sense. Yeah, um, uh, Chrono Dome. Cr- All the answers are found in the Chrono. Wait, Dome. what's a Chrono Dome? Did I miss something? That's the Chrono that's the, Dome. That's, that's that's the CGI stuff. It's the the really yeah, uncanny valley CGI that intentionally oh. looks bad. It's it's the only part where you see Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill only appears as this kind of like yeah. claymation monster. All those cameos monster. are in the Chrono Dome. That's literally what it's, it's called. The Chrono it's Dome. called it's the, the Chrono Dome. The Chrono Dome. Time Dome. Get get. It's Latin. <laughs> That's a stupid name. I'm it's, putting it's, it it's from the Latin meaning chromodome. <laughs> 
That's uh, a stupid name, and I don't like it. It is a it is a very stupid name. We can <laughs> we can get into uh, we can get into to full spoilers in a sec. Uh, first, we'll we'll go over. This is my Chromo Dome. This is your you, have, you both have Chromo Domes. Hey, uh, Darth Sir of Tardis with a five dollar dono. Thank you so much, Darth <laughs> Sir. Darren, uh, your title uh, of the movie feeling like a quote mandate was brilliant. P.S. Hijack, love seeing you on the Escapist, and an RLM fan. Thank you. I like being here. Um, And Daniel Thorne with a $5 dono. Everything everywhere makes the multiverse feel like everything was equally meaningful, while this makes it feel like everything was equally meaningless. Uh, I mean, that is, you do get a feeling leaving this movie like, what? (laughs) What is the point? What was was literally the point of of any of this? And I also (laughs) didn't realize, somehow in my mind, I was like, yeah, Ron Livingston definitely played Flash's dad before. And I was like, oh, no, that was Billy Crudup. I'm like, that was sad. I think they're sort of similar. And it, it's kind of it's kind of weird that like the recasting like of actors is a plot point within the movie. So going from Ben Affleck to Michael Keaton, it's like yeah. oh we explain that by way of the multiverse. But it's also like by the way we recast the role of like is it uh, Iris West mm-hmm. and yeah. like and yeah. Barry's dad between movies. But those aren't explained by the multiversal logic. No. Pay no attention to those. And we'll, yeah. and we'll make a goof about Eric Stoltz <laughs> in Back to the Future because yeah. we filmed a couple a couple days uh, of, yeah. of filming that movie. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think we can. This will be. Uh, the full spoiler uh, warning for uh, Flash if you are sensitive to spoilers or you plan to see the movie and you don't mm-hmm. want to hear about them uh, thank you so much for watching um, I'll after this is up I'll put some time codes so that you can come back for our non-Flash discussion mm-hmm. uh, so um, we can go full spoilers uh, were you guys uncomfortable with uh, reanimating the dead because I was um, I, I, always 100% yeah, I mean, I'm, in, um, I'm incredible. I, I felt I, I felt the same way when uh, Harold Ramis's ghosts came up in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, where it's like he did not agree to this. You mm-hmm. you are quite literally puppeting his corpse for profit. Um, I I cannot be OK with that Un- unless the actor specifically says in his will, in their will, uh, it's OK to use my likeness in, in a character role that I have played in a movie. I cannot be OK with it. Yeah. yeah. So this is coming primarily from uh, in in the Chrono Dome. Uh, we see sort of glimpses into other uh, DC universes, uh, which include seeing uh, Christopher Reeve as uh, Superman, uh, Helen Slater as Supergirl, Adam West as Batman, uh, George Reeves as uh, Superman, um, and then some 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 like the villains from the old Adam West Batman thing as well, and then Nicolas Cage. As uh, the Superman fighting the and, jo- the John Peters mandated giant and spider way, in his Tim Burton movie that never existed. That that to me like was almost rubbing salt in the wound. And uh, real quick for the chat there, I don't give a fuck if it was his son directing it. Harold Ramis oh. did not agree to be in that movie. <laughs> Well, but and it was also Ivan Reitman, right? It was Ivan Reitman, yeah. and, it, yeah. and it was the son of the original director who directed yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife, not yeah. Ramis's son. I don't care if their family is okay with it. Harold Ramis did not sign yeah. off on it. Fuck everything else. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, ahead. but again, like even specifically in the context of this, you have like Christopher Reeve having a very contentious relationship with Superman and wanting to get past Superman yeah. and only appearing in Superman 4 because uh, Canon Films agreed to produce Street Smart, which was the very important 
topic driven movie that he wanted to star in with like Morgan Freeman. Right. And I don't think I don't think Warner Brothers are green lighting at Street Smart starring yeah. like his CGI sprite in order to give him the range and opportunity that he never had in life. Like and George I mean, Reeves, the same thing. Yeah. He was haunted by that role his entire life until his death. They made a whole yeah. movie about him being yeah. haunted by that role starring Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> but, it, but it's OK. Ben Affleck has been erased by that point in the movie, so he doesn't count. Um, That's true. That's true. Like my favorite bit in the movie is when Ben Affleck gets in the car. He's like, you know what? I'm comfortable with who I am and like being married to JLo and having lots of money and making lots of money all fair. And he gets in his car and he drives off and the movie's like, well, fuck you, Affleck. You're not in the movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in December. Right. In Aquaman and, and, and to like, to me, to me, the <laughs> Nicolas Cage, like, you know, the now infamous is that Superman Reborn. Uh, the the infamous the Tim Burton. Superman lives. Superman lives. Superman lives. Superman lives. Thank you. Superman lives. Uh, <laughs> the Tim Burton directing, Nicolas Cage starring, Kevin Smith writing a Superman movie that never was, in which Nicolas Cage Superman fights a, a Targathian snarl beast. <laughs> not a spider. Um, oh, sorry. Very different. Not a spider. It has to be Superman related. Uh, where it's like, oh, that is a big, goofy cameo where it's like, if you know that story, like, it. to me, that was a, a treat. That was a fun little bit of of multiversalness to happen right after you remind me of Christopher Reeves, no, who is no longer with us, who, you know, had a, a tragic uh, post life with a big accident. So it's like, it's playing with weird emotions of like, Hey, remember this Superman? Oh, he, everyone loved him. Remember this Superman? That was a fun story. And it's not the same. Can I ask, like, I saw this once, I saw this two weeks ago, it's already begun to blur in my memory, like it's being rewritten by Barry Allen, Fair. traveling through the Chromo Dome. Yeah. But, like, I remember that sequence, those balls are crashing into one another, and now, I want to ask, because I'm not, I'm not sure I got this the first time around. Are those universes meant to be divergent timelines created by Barry's continuous meddling? Like, are they meant to be like, do those timelines only exist because Barry's been going back and revising the same way that Michael Keaton only exists because Barry goes back and, and kind of rewrites his mother's history. So are we saying that like all these beloved characters who you love and adore and are great seeing back and alive are all mistakes um, and need to be erased and are crashing into one yeah. another in front of your eyes so that the one true timeline can be restored, not the one you remember, you dorks. That, um, like, that's where we get to some of the fun, stupid logic of the movie's internal story. Because if, uh, you know, we, we only have what the movie tells us as far as its internal logic, right? What Michael Keaton Batman tells Barry is that his initial going back in time uh, not only created him, the, the straight spaghetti, if you remember that visual metaphor, <laughs> uh, the straight spaghetti not only created him as Batman, but and then he dumps the wet spaghetti in the bowl. Him going back in time created the entire clusterfuck of the multiverse. So all of those beloved characters who we have fond memories of never existed. And uh, full spoiler alert, now don't exist again because Barry fixed the timeline. Or did he? I like the idea that you go to like reach for your Blu-ray of Batman 89. You open it up and there's just no disc there. You're like, yeah. no! Just a picture of Ezra Miller. <laughs> no! 
<laughs> right. And so, like, yes, that was the other fucked up thing about the conclusion to this movie. Because after after we learn that Michael Keaton, Batman, and Supergirl, you know, who we just fell uh, in love with for the past 30 minutes, uh, will die no matter what. <laughs> Thanks, movie. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, movie. <laughs> It's also a movie about how essential Superman is to the DCU, but also how we cannot get him right. It's like it's a really odd self-own where it's like we desperately fucking need a Superman because if we don't, the entire universe dies. And it's like, by the way, who's in this movie? We got Batman. We got Aquaman. We got Wonder Woman. We got The Flash. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's such a weird, weird movie. It's such a weird movie. And so we get to this point where Batman, Michael Keaton, Batman and Supergirl (laughs) have to die. And The Flash is realized. This and now the flash is seeing the other chrono domes crash into each other, destroying their worlds, worlds which he didn't know existed and did not exist two days ago. He suddenly cares a lot about for some reason not stated in the movie. Um, and that's what helps him come to the realization that he needs to fix himself, fixing himself, which doesn't make any sense and and then he also and then he's also like well look i can't save my mother because that would break time but i can move an entire shelf of like tomato soup to the top and that won't break time and that won't break time but only a little bit breaky time as long as i smile and wink to the camera at the end Someone, uh, someone who can edit videos once this movie's out on Blu-ray needs to, because uh, obviously, like an inciting incident is the the the. To, if we can fix the tomato uh, sauce thing, <laughs> right? We can fix everything. And I want uh, Matthew McConaughey and Interstellar inside of that shelf to go. Murph, I get the tomato sauce. Murph, that's I'm in the pasta shelf. Right. Um, Which like to, to me, the 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 really the real bit of insanity here is that had the movie entirely been about Barry fighting the multiverse, which I, a lot of flash time stories, I believe, are Barry fighting past and future versions of himself because he can travel through time and messes things up. That would have been a fun and clever solution. That would have been a really nice coda to the story is I can't get my mom back, but using this fuckery, I can get my dad back now, right? Mm -hmm. Which makes perfect sense. The only problem is we have spent the bulk of this movie meeting Batman and Supergirl. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't been worried about time travel at all for the mass majority, for the vast majority of this Mm -hmm. feature film. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) It is mind boggling. I don't know. Yeah. And it's a it's a bummer because the uh, the the Sasha Kelly, is that how you say her name? The actress who plays Supergirl. I don't know if we pronounce the double L. I don't know. OK, I should... well, I'm, well, I'm going to say Sasha C. Sa- there we go. Okay, sorry. Uh, Maybe I thought Sasha. it was great. I thought she was great uh, in the just the tiniest role that the movie gave to her. Yeah. And I was like, why is the movie not more about her? Why is the movie not hinging more on on this person? Why is there that not less Michael Keaton and more of her? Because everything she was doing, I thought was great. I really liked her. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. But also, like the problem with the Michael Keaton thing, and this is, I fear, a consequence of the dreaded influence of the Last Jedi, is the idea that like 
if you're going to have a character in a movie, they have to have an arc. They have to start somewhere and they have to end somewhere different and they have to go on a journey. And yeah. part of that journey means growing and learning and accepting and changing. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. The uh -huh. problem is that like after a certain Star Wars movie came out, a lot of fans got very upset at the idea that older characters might need to have arcs that they might start somewhere where they are unhappy and need to go somewhere and progress and have a journey mm -hmm. because that would imply that they weren't perfect when they started so like there's this really strange sequence at the start like where he goes and he meets michael keaton's batman and michael keaton batman is like you know what i pretty much solved crime in gotham i'm i'm happy i've done everything a batman could want to do there's nothing in my life that feels incomplete i have no wants desires nothing that motivates me or nothing that i feel like i need to accomplish mm -hmm. so uh you could just hang out here with me for a little while and there's mm -hmm. there's no dramatic purpose to like michael keaton's batman being involved it seems like he helps barry out because he's bored and because this kid's not gonna leave him alone anyway there's no moment where he has that like epiphany like that's the thing that's the thing about supergirl where supergirl has an arc that arc is not fully developed there's no space given to that arc. That arc is drawn in crayon because so much attention is being given to Barry and to Batman, who are two separate problems with the movie at this point. Mm -hmm. But like she has a story, which is she comes to this planet. She's locked up and she's tortured. She's brutalized. She's victimized by these people, by this world that she was sent to escaping her own. She's finally freed and she can do whatever she wants. And as somebody is coming to destroy this planet, she makes the choice to do the right thing despite the fact that this world has given her absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. She makes a heroic choice. Some might even say a super heroic choice to protect the planet that treated her so poorly. And that is an arc. That is a story. That is a story of like self. And it exists in sharp contrast to Barry's arc, which is I want my mom. Fuck reality. Um, like it's, like, like, and the movie never really grasps like what the heart of this story is. It's really frustrating. Well, and the the thing that makes it double extra frustrating is uh, you are entirely correct that Supergirl's uh, entire arc is written in crayon. I think that's a really beautiful way to state that because it is simple. It is quick. But here's the thing. That's all we need. Like, we don't need these, like, huge grand motifs. We just want our super people to be heroes. That's it. <laughs> That's what we are looking for in superhero movies. So write it in crayon. Make it real simple. Give us fun action sequences, which I'm going to say that uh, before uh, time fuckery happened. That was a pretty fun action sequence. The baby, the baby sequence at the hospital. I think it could have been a good action sequence. I also think the, the babies creep me out. The babies creep. Um, I'm talking yeah, about. So I'm talking about versus Zod's army. That was a fun action oh, okay. sequence. Yeah, really? no, okay, yeah. okay, okay, uh, okay. Passable. I, you know, like <laughs> be, the, you know, when it took place during the day. It took, that's nice. It took place in a desert. The, it's really, it's really strange that it's like <laughs> you know what you know. You guys love Man of Steel so much, and remember how the climax of that movie took place in a city. What if we did that, but we just used the same generic backdrop you just saw yeah. in Transformers Rise of the Beast a week ago? Like, there's a, there's a weird thing where there are numbers written on the ground when they're fighting, and part of me's like, is that, like, I wonder if it was originally meant, yeah, like, what what's on the ground? What, like, there there are 12s and 32s and stuff. Oh, it's an I old couldn't... desert clock, you know. Oh, okay. Really? I, you know, that old desert clock. I, if, oh, if okay, I'm... so it's, oh, so it's a theme. It's thematic. I, 
No, it's not a desert clock. I believe it's uh, it's like a military base. It's supposed okay. to be a military installation. Uh, mm-hmm. It do- it doesn't matter though because like it was it was one an action sequence, which is always Fair. fun in an action <laughs> movie. Um, oh, where was I going with this? Uh, but but also it gets it gets um erased right away because they start they start remembering that they have an actual flash plot to uh sew up and so they have to forget about that plot so they can sew up the flash plot and that's why i think most people like that's what that's why it it leaves a sour taste in your mouth because like they then start to like oh fuck we got to continue we got to wrap up this movie now <laughs> Can, can, can I like it's a small small thing but like one of the moments where like my soul left my body and not in a good way watching one this of. movie one of the moments like it's a moment that stays with me just because like the I don't like the movie as a whole I think the movie is very bad yeah but like this is an egregiously bad moment is the moment where Bruce goes to attack Zod's ship in the Batwing and it turns out the ship has shields so the Batwing gets blown up and Barry's like no and he decides to turn back time and he and other Barry have a conversation like so do you know what you're going to do when you go back in time have you planned it out have you made a decision it's like yeah i know what we're going to do let's do it and he travels back in time and his big time travel fix for bruce getting destroyed by the ship is to tap his ear and go bruce don't shoot at the ship and it like and and, and like literally i think bruce says roger that and and that's that's it mm-hmm. i'm like that that is your dramatic payoff that's like that's how you deliver on that like action set piece promise what if he doesn't do that what if you ask him not to do the thing and then he doesn't do it it's like great uh, and you good know good job order for, thai food we're done for the day for me that was just the setup like i was okay with that because like that was step one real simple fix oh that didn't work now we got to go to step two and there was an escalation so i'm okay with like stupid okay. okay here's my stupid fix right the like the other <laughs> thing that should be bothersome to all of us is like hey batman uh or, or batman shoots at the ship in the first run through it has shields his missiles don't work so his bigger plan was to ram <laughs> into the ship that he what already knows has yeah. shields he is like bat okay batman is dumb now uh, and that's just Listen, a reality. He hasn't, he hasn't done Batman stuff in a while. He is rusty. <laughs> He's a little out of practice. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just needs a bigger missile. I mean, like maybe that was the maybe it was that, mass was the that was yeah, the real I haven't been. I used to work at a coffee shop, but I haven't used like a, a milk steamer since 2011. If you put me behind the counter there, I don't know how good I'd be. Maybe I'd fly my missile right into the espresso machine. <laughs> I think um, I, I think another like an inherent problem with this movie, and this is something that we're going to come up with uh, or come to more and more, is uh, and it's it's something that is specifically a DC hero problem. I believe is that uh, DC's powers, DC heroes' powers, start to get really big and really intangible really fast and the flash in particular who has the 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 power the ability to tap into the speed force a uh, a meta universe in which speed defines everything make that into an audio visual experience now you i i feel like we are we are hitting a point in which you can't tell some of these stories with movies and television 
Well, you need to get abstract is the thing. Like, I think you, I think it's entirely possible to do that. You just need to be willing to get weird in a way that mainstream audiences won't follow you. Because it's very notable that, like, Jack, you said a bunch of words, which I understand, which I'm sure Marty understands mm-hmm. and people in this channel understand. Yeah. But if I'm trying to explain this to my father and I say the words, it's a speed, he goes into the speed force and it's mm-hmm. like. You mean he runs fast? No, 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 no. <laughs> Speed Force is in a, a, another yeah. dimension that holds reality together. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, right. wait, wait, how does that work? Does is Chrono it, Dome, do you have, don't worry about it. It's yeah, just, yeah, don't, it's just like, the Chrono get, Dome. Yeah. And, and you start manifesting it in ways that are like that CGI goopy stuff that you get in the Chromo Dome in this movie, yes. which is this weird uncanny valley effect. And I know they say that that effect is intentional. The vibe I get from it is that early on, they were like, let's do it photorealistic. And at some point, they're like, we're not going to cross that line let's just say it's a stylistic decision like it would be better to do something like say rod sterling's night gallery with comic book panels or something like that which were at least like you would have an abstract idea and that's the problem is that if you're doing this sort of stuff you need to kind of look something like say legion or even watchmen on hbo which is a little more unusual a little stranger a little more bizarre Mm -hmm. where you have like jeremy irons feeding little baby calamari into a wormhole um but like or like and, and these movies in this format can't do that because they're big crowd pleasing four quadrant blockbusters that aspire to make a billion dollars and want to simultaneously appeal to people like my parents who do not care what a speed force is, but also want to use the word speed force so people on the internet won't be upset that they didn't. It it creates this kind of thing where it's an unresolvable kind of Gordian knot. Of course, well, that's uh, Buck thirty one thirty one with a five pound dono said. Oh, Thank sorry. you so much. Said uh, I got the feeling that if you didn't know your DC history across TV, film, yeah. and comics, you'd watch the last ten minutes of the Flash and go, "Huh?" And it's not only in those scenes, <laughs> but in in the final reveal of of oh, it's going to be Michael Keaton who gets out of uh, or Ben Affleck. One of them is going to get out of the car, and then it's George Clooney, and you would just be like, "What?" And like. There's probably a large portion of the audience who's like, I don't even remember him being Batman. <laughs> I never saw that Joel Schumacher movie. And so it's like, oh, that's cool. I guess George Clooney's at the end of this movie. That's that's neat. And the same thing with why, like, the Nicolas Why is the Nespresso like, Man? Why is the Nespresso yeah. Man Batman? Why is the Tequila Man there? What's he doing? <laughs> it is, it is. I don't, those moments are for like the 0.1% of people whose brains are broken will be like, ah, yes, I remember Nicolas Cage from the Superman movie that never I, happened. I it's remember just, Kevin. We are, we are that 0.1%. We are the 0.1%. Clear. We are, we are, we are, right? yeah. Like, oh, I have seen Kevin Smith give a live talk where he tells an insider yeah. Hollywood story yeah. about the about Nicolas Cage fighting a giant spider. Who the Who is that for? <laughs> yeah. And so that like the the movie is tearing at its own seams is part of the problem where it's like you have you have someone like Captain America. He is a strong guy who punches people. Iron Man has a suit that can fly and punch people. Thor, really strong punch people, got a hammer right where it's like very, very simple. Once you start getting into things like Doctor Strange level, you either need a way to incredibly simplify what that character does or showcase it in a you need well no you need to showcase it in a way in which is immediately understandable by everyone and the flash fell flat on that aspect of it as soon as they started going back in time it stopped making any sort of internal logic so why um 
all three of us really enjoyed Across the Spider Verse. Yeah, and that that was too. Oh, okay. oh, okay. Well, that, I I, I want to I want to use this as a bridge. Why do we think this kind of storytelling worked? I thought it worked in Across the Spider Verse, and I feel like even like a casual audience could see Across the Spider Verse, not get all the references, maybe not understand why like certain. I, I guess I don't want to spoil that movie in case uh, think certain things, certain characters pop up, certain cameos yeah. um, that made sense to me might not have made sense to a casual viewer. Uh, however, I feel like they can enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Why do we think what's what's the discrepancy there? And then also, Jack, what did you think of Spider-Verse? Well, I guess, yeah, well, pre us getting into that talk, I feel like for everyone who's like, hey, we're a little superhero fatigued. Hey, we're a little multiverse uh, fatigued. That's just not true. Like, you know, we have Spider-Verse yeah. making a bunch of money, uh, everything, everywhere, and all at once. One of the best picture. Oscar. Yeah, right. Exactly. One of the best picture made a bunch of money. We are not tired of superheroes and we're not tired of multiversal. We're tired of boring movies. We're tired of <laughs> bad, boring movies. Uh, we can watch better things now. Um, well, that's the yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller quote where it's like, it's not superhero fatigue. It's the same movie I've been watching for 15 years fatigue. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's 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 uh, it's basic film 101, which is show don't tell. Right. Like across the Spider-Verse does a really good job of explaining what's happening purely through visuals and if there are any little easter eggs in there they are inconsequential to the overall story which is the trick marvel has been pulling for the entire mcu <laughs> like at the end of uh of iron man one when uh samuel l jackson shows up for, i have the avengers initiative for it if you didn't read a comic that didn't matter to you <laughs> Right. Well, you knew who Samuel L. Jackson was like that. That's the thing. I yeah. remember like my partner's brother at the time telling us to stay in our seats at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who was too cool to have ever picked up a comic. And he was like, it will blow your mind. And I'm like, I'm not sure it will, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> right. But like it was inconsequential to the basic story arc of Iron Man. It was just a little a little treat here and there. Right. Um. And so, you know, uh, The Flash tried to put too much uh, too much inside baseball inside the movie inside uh, across the Spider-Verse uh, did a much better job of concentrating on the thing that we did care about. Uh, Miles's character arc and the relationships between all of the characters. Everything else is uh, sprinkles. What was your wavy hand? I said we all like across Spider-Verse and you gave us a wavy hand. I OK. When I know I'm going to see a movie, I generally don't watch trailers or tune out as far as like people talking about the movie. And so I don't think this will be a spoiler. But for me, it was I didn't know it was a two parter. Yeah. Um, And we start getting to a point where I'm like, man, this movie has got to wrap up. (laughs) You got a lot of threads. (laughs) Uh, And then and so it left an incredibly sour taste in my mouth where (laughs) where I was like, wait a minute. I did not know it was a two parter. I don't know how obvious that was made (laughs) within the marketing of the movie. Only at the beginning, because it was originally called Across the Spider-Verse Part One and Part Two. And that was when they were announced. Literally yeah. years ago, I think it was bef- like, yeah, it's, it's like it's like or... it's like Endgame was originally Infinity War Part Two, but then I think it was it the underperformance of Mocking Jay Part One and Mocking Jay Part yeah, Two basically sure. scared Hollywood off that. Yeah, thanks so. a lot, J Law. 
ruining everything. <laughs> B- uh, Careful, don't get the don't provoke the jailer. Oh, no. And so, like, my only eh is, uh, well, uh, there's a couple ehs, uh, which is I didn't know it was a two-parter, and so I left that theater almost mad at the movie for not making that really obvious at the start. For, like, you know, expectations are a big part of movie going. Also, mm-hmm. uh, in general, there was a lot of fat that could be cut from that movie. That was entirely too long, uh, especially for a part one. <laughs> I, okay, I I if we're getting back to the question of what the difference is between this and across the Spider-Verse, I think like we mentioned the ice cream sandwich effect, right? Where you have like mm. the Barry mother plot at the start and the Barry mother plot at the end. <laughs> yep. And in the middle, there's a bunch of fan service. What I think like across the Spider-Verse does really, really, really well mm-hmm. is that it manages to like integrate those themes consistently and thoroughly in that like, it is an abstract meditation on the idea of Spider-Man full of cameos that every comic book fan will adore. But if you don't get that, it's a story about being the parent of an exceptional child who is going out into a world that will be fundamentally hostile to his existence. It is a movie that knows consistently, thematically, what it is about at every single layer of its story. And everything in that story is pushing towards it. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like Miles going, to, and again, this is a small example, but at the start you have the idea of Miles going to Princeton and his mother being worried that she'll go out into the world as a child who is a Puerto Rican and an African-American descent will be judged and told that he doesn't belong in that place. Mm -hmm. And then he goes across the multiverse into a community of Spider-Men and is told he doesn't belong in that place. So you have this beautiful thematic union that runs through the narrative and even the idea of parenting where, you know, you have the idea of like Gwen's relationship with her father, which is the, which I would argue is the thing that bookends the movie. Like the movie Mm -hmm. only functions as a self-contained movie. If you look at the art of Gwen's relationship to her father. Sure. That's sure. where the movie starts and that's where the movie ends. Yeah. But you have even things like, say, Peter B. Parker becoming a parent. You have Miguel, like, trying to reconnect with his child. You have, like, a Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew is pregnant. So you are constantly being reminded by the movie that this is a story about parenthood, about the story between children and adults. And so when that comes back around to Miles has to let his father die in order to preserve the continuity of the shared universe, you're like, this is the center of the movie. Whereas when the Flash is like, uh, Zod's gonna stab Supergirl in the heart and Batman's gonna be killed by uh, the big guy who isn't Nora. Uh, yeah, that has something to do with Barry's mom, I guess. It doesn't really <laughs> cohere in a way that like Spider-Verse is like, no, we have been propulsively pushing this idea mm-hmm. and all of these threads interconnect narratively, thematically, visually. Mm-hmm. I also think that like, and, and this is obviously an inherently subjective judgment. People like the flash. I'm very glad people like the flash. I, I'm honestly very happy for them. It doesn't work for me. If it works for you, that's fantastic. Yeah. But like across the spider verse is just like more fun to look at where like yeah. Peter, Peter parked car is a more interesting concept than anything in the flash Mm -hmm. like you have an infinite array of multiverse an infinite array of spider-man an infinite number of possibilities anything can happen and there is nothing in the flash as interesting as a two-dimensional version of the vulture drone on parchment there's nothing as interesting as a 90s riff on ben riley voiced by andy samberg Mm -hmm. this movie is just 
Spider-Verse is just tossing crazy ideas out there and asking you to roll with them. You don't have to know where they're from. You don't have to know the origins. You don't have to cite the issue numbers in which they appear. Um, but like, you don't have to have watched Batman 89 in order to have done your homework. You don't need to have watched Man of Steel to get it. You just like intuitively get the multiverse is full of infinite possibilities and anything can happen. But, Whereas in Flash, the multiverse is, you've seen Batman 89, you've seen Man of Steel. That's that's right. That's the and, multiverse. And I think Sorry. like Ben Riley in Across the Spider-Verse is a beautiful example of like, if you know Ben Riley, you are in on that joke and love it. And yeah. if you don't know Ben Riley, it's just a funny, moody character. It's yeah. inconsequential, yeah. but if you're in on the joke, it makes it's it's that sprinkle on the cake. Someone is uh, is countering us, which I think is an interesting topic as oh, far sorry. as far as the Flash yeah. is concerned. If we're con comparing and contrasting the Flash mm -hmm. versus across the Spider Verse, which was the Flash. Uh, and it is stated in the movie, the Flash is fighting to save that world because that is a world in which his mother lives, which is, by the way, a fair point. He he says specifically, I want to fight for this world because my mother is in this world. But to Darren's point in Across the Spider-Verse, the constant thread is reinforced on itself with every character, with every movement, yep. with every with every layer that uh, reinforcement of parenting of uh, of, you know, like is a character worthy of being a character, which has all these like uh, callbacks to the first uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, like everything feeds in on itself in a way that reinforces the central theme. Whereas, sure, Barry's mom is in that world and he explicitly says, I want to save this world because my mom is in here. The movie does nothing to reinforce that idea. And so it is very easily tossed aside. And in Across the Spider-Verse, even the villain reinforces it. Even the spot reinforces that idea. Whereas Zod, if Zod is the villain, I guess, of this movie, or the Russians are, or or the young, uh, young Barry, Barry. Other Barry. Yeah, other, other Barry. Other Barry. Becoming dark, dark Flash, Flash himself. Or Mad Flash, it does it. Reverse Flash. Reverse Flash. Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, like, that's the, the, the thing is nothing in the Flash reinforces its main theme because it doesn't have a main theme. It starts with a theme, forgets it, starts a new theme, forgets it, starts a nostalgia throwback and then tries to wrap up its second theme uh, in a very uh, in a very hazy way. And so, like, that's the that's the difference between the two is is purpose <laughs> across the Spider-Verse is purposeful. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a, actually a really good way to put it. Yeah. Except for the fact yeah. that they tricked you into thinking that it was a full movie and it was just one half. Yeah. Of them. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I remember like way back in the day. Here's a here's a slight tangent that I swear uh, uh, falls back in. Uh, my mother hates uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, because she didn't know it was part one of three. And mm -hmm. like, I have chided her, you know, several times, like, it's a pretty popular You're book. Very series, famous Mom. books. Yeah. Uh, we all knew that. The, and she was like, I didn't know. And I fucking I, she. So she's never seen uh, uh, Two Towers or Return of the King because she hated <laughs> Fellowship so much. Um, uh, right. And it's like, oh, I get that now. <laughs> get if, you, if you can't end your movie, I'm not watching any of your sequels. It's Basically, like <laughs> she was so she was so upset by that. And it's like, I get that. And like uh, Across the Spider-Verse is beautiful. I have uh, I am. Uh, I'm going to watch it uh, in the theaters again. I'm going to, uh, you know, own it as soon as I can to watch it several more times because it is 
it is a goddamn treat of a movie uh, that I want to intake more. But my initial viewing was very, very sour. And if I'm going to, you know, be like full critic, it was bloated. It had a lot of fluff in it. They were... They were stretching there. Our first movie uh, was supposed to be thrown away and it made a super amount of money. So we are going to we're going to strut a little bit. And I think they strut a little too much. I would yeah, disagree. Do I like looking at people strut? <laughs> I have five. I watch, I watch 12 hours of someone who's good oh, at strut. Yes, strut. Strut, strutting in six different animation styles, baby. <laughs> oh, and for me, like for personally. And for Lego. Me, Sorry. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. For me, that strut was beautiful, and I will gladly watch that strut. <laughs> yeah. But for a movie that doesn't have an ending, it's like we, we could have cut, cut a few. <laughs> We could have cut as a few a, things. I I didn't feel that way during Cross Spider-Verse, but as a card-carrying member of the Every Movie Should Be 90 Minutes Club, uh, I got I got to respect that opinion. 100%. 100%. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what movie it is. It's got to be 90, 90. minutes. I guess Killers of the Flower Moon. Get that down to 90. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cut some subplots in it. Uh, you know, it would be grand. Just do a bit of tidying up. Just add just some voiceover. Tight yeah, add some voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, montage. montage. Yeah, montage. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could be fixed without a montage. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex Gonzo with a dollar ninety nine dono. Thank you so much. Uh, Flash colon. You need canon. You're, you need canon events. Barry uh, across the Spider Verse. Lol. Um, it, again, it, the timing of these is pretty funny. Um, it's I, 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 it's less funny for DC, but pretty, pretty it, funny well, for me. It's great because once again, like across the Spider Verse is about something. Like they are saying something about the character of Miles yeah. Morales, which of course they they dealt with a lot in the first uh, in the first uh, uh, Into the Spider Verse movie, yeah. which is like this idea of legacy characters and the expectations that come with you know someone a, a new a new uh, human holding the title uh, of an old hero, right? Which is which was wonderful, which was all purposeful and intertwined within Into the Spider-Verse. And they are pulling at that thread again and more layers. And it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a, a multi, I'm trying to think of a dessert that has many layers and I just can't. Tiramisu. Right tiramisu. I'm down. I'm down with tiramisu. I can't tell you the last time I've had it, but all the layers <laughs> feeding off of each other and working with, uh, with itself. And the flash is just like, Hey, huh? Batman, maybe? I don't know. No, okay, never mind. No Batman. Supergirl. Yeah. Huh? No, no, I never to mind. <laughs> to wonder if, like, again, somebody in the room has to have written, like, Batman on the board. Like, during the Ezra Miller scandal, they're like, is there any way we could rebrand the movie? <laughs> um, we should share that in the comments. I think people are mentioning uh, No Way Home a lot. I think it's just worth acknowledging. I'm not a big fan of No Way Home. I Neither think No Way I. Home is... I think No Way Home is better than The Flash because mm. uh, it is a functional movie. It waits a bit longer before. No, sorry, that doesn't sound as dismissive. That shouldn't sound as dismissive. I'm less of a criminal. Um, okay. Also, like, I like less of, by the way, as if Marty oh, has like Marty, ha Marty has a little dossier, but yeah, it's thinner. We don't know. Um, yeah. we don't know. There's a, you only have to scroll three times to get the bottom of that article. Yeah. But um, like the thing about No Way Home is like it it basically functions narratively and thematically. It's mm -hmm. saying things and it understands what it's doing. I didn't love it. I thought it leaned very hard on nostalgia. I think it didn't really have a reason to bring back all of the characters that it did. Mm -hmm. I thought that like it what it I was 
I seem to be the only person who was quite skeptical of how it brought back Andrew Garfield. I know everybody loved him, but there's a weird sense of, ah, oh, it's a bad Spider-Man. Oh, look at a bad Spider-Man. He's getting a good moment in a good Spider-Man. Everybody laugh the at the bad yeah, Spider-Man. We hate you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's okay because he redeemed himself in a product that we all like and accept. I don't know why <laughs> the person running the commentary has that accent. But like, I think- But they do. Like, they do. But they, they do. They absolutely do. Um, and like, I think that like Watts isn't a great director. I think like the sense of action, that movie's not great. I don't like the finale of it on the Statue of Liberty. It all feels very generic, mm -hmm. but it does have themes, arcs, mm -hmm. characters, basic structure, a three act structure. It has things that it is saying. It even has things that it's saying about the IP that it represents, which are largely, ha ha ha, fuck you, Marvel, Sony rules. Go see Craven in theaters this October. <laughs> yeah. Um, why don't you take your Doctor Strange and shove him where the sun don't shine? Um, but right. like this, the Flash has none of that. And so while I don't like No Way Home, in fact, I, I quite dislike No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it functions much more coherently than The Flash does just because it the, the, the ice cream sandwich is a three-act structure rather than an ice cream well, sandwich. You know, it's it's this idea, and I know like like movie by committee, design by committee is now like a term that is thrown around so much that it has lost a little bit of its meaning. And so like, if mm -hmm. anything, The Flash is doing a service for you know, uh, internet critics, for armchair critics, for for uh, Monday morning quarterbacks, as we like to call them, where it's like, no, 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 this, this is designed by committee. It does designed by committee doesn't mean bland. It doesn't mean safe. It means has no soul, has no theme, has nothing to say beyond what corporate shareholders believe a film should say. It's content. It's content. Exactly. It is yeah. it is exactly what design by committee used to mean, but we've kind of lost that over the over the the uh, the decade of online uh, internet critics. And here mm -hmm. it is. Here it is. This is the uh, the epitome of uh, shareholders writing a movie. This is what you get. And so, you yeah, know, like, it's serving a purpose. <laughs> so, like, you could tell that, they, like, they Googled Michael Keaton Batman catchphrase, and they were like, okay, those two lines are in the movie. Yeah. He has to say, do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts, and I'm Batman. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, like, nobody at any point cared or thought about the character beyond typing Michael Keaton Batman catchphrase into Google. Speaking of, uh, someone had to have offered something to Christian Bale, someone had to have approach Jack Nicholson. Be like, hey, you cool coming out of retirement? <clears throat> and he probably said, absolutely fucking not. He and gave them the were, bag. And they were like, oh, well, use the bag with your giggles, with your death giggles in it. <laughs> I'll, be I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I was unaware he was still alive. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's, at, he's at Laker games, LA Lakers. Hey, he showed up at Laker games during the playoffs. Yeah, great. He looks, he, he's great. He looks like a, <laughs> he looks like a, an 85 year old man who's lived the lives of a 300 year old. Man. <laughs> so he's doing great. <laughs> I mean, like, nothing more to say. Yeah. An absolute legend. Have you read the um? That was it. Was a Variety did that piece about like how Warner Brothers are now trying to get Nolan back which is kind of hilarious, the kind oh, of courtship no. that's happening. 
Oh yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Please. Not for <laughs> this, but just no, like no, that no. in the family, right? Just back Not in the like, family oh, generally. Yeah. Like, Good. Okay. Because yeah. The, yeah. yeah, the whole tenant thing severed the relationship because Yeah. And yeah. and now Warner's are like very gently like, uh, would you like to come do some post production on Oppenheimer on the Warner Brothers lot? Mm-hmm. Your uh, your your uh, ending booth is still warm, Chris. <laughs> they just send him an actual an actual atomic bomb. To his <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> With a little card. Well, apparently they did pay him like a seven figure bonus for tenant. Um, is apparently how that courtship began. All right, incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's you know, and I know like Zaslav is like a really easy target for all of this. But you kind of look at some of these decisions that he has made since becoming head. And and uh, I part of me, you know, schadenfreude or uh, however you want to say that is very happy that uh, these decisions are underperforming because like. Creatively, they're very bad decisions, <laughs> and it's like it, it's always a balance, right? It's it's you know show business. You have to have some show, and you have to have some business in between. It's it's that balance of art, and someone needs to pay for the art somehow, right? And yeah. when we go too far in either direction, weird things can happen. And so now we're we're just dipping <laughs> a little too far into the business end of it, which hopefully means we're gonna equalize sooner sooner than later. <laughs> Uh, who knows? Yeah, well, because <laughs> the the jury's out of that. Um, Lampy with a five uh, pound dono earlier said, uh, uh, "Thank you so much, Lampy." Uh, or Darren, uh, in terms of how to display speed in a movie, they could take some hints from Sonic the Hedgehog on how to handle no speed. Darren, do you have thoughts on the Sonic the Hedgehog films? I, I I just think it's weird that like people looked at was it Hop, which was the one where Russell Brand plays a CGI bunny that's trapped in the real world with James Marsden and was like, that is the model for our Sonic movie. And it worked. And it worked. Fair, fair play to them. Like right back to bringing back James Marsden. They were like, look, we can't yeah. do it without the Marsden. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like jury duty. It just wouldn't work without James Marsden. hundred um, percent. I don't don't really have takes. I think the second one was better. I think Idris Elba is Actually, good as Knuckles. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like we, we got a Knuckles just... a Knuckles TV show is coming out. Really? <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> Knuckles gets his own series. Yeah. Um, and in terms of speed, what I will say is, I know that these are now cursed movies as a result of a director who should be in prison. But like the Quicksilver uh, use of powers in Days of Future Past, that's Ooh, a really shit. great cinematic presentation of super speed. And I know those are now scorched earth because of Brian Singer, who mm-hmm. again should be in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's the kind of visual inventiveness and playfulness that I, I kind of would like to have seen. And like you mean putting babies in microwaves? That's what we got when putting babies in microwaves. <laughs> Uh, but we also got like we also got like a nice funny soundtrack on it as well and there was a sure. sense of playfulness as he lined things up like the thing i remember that is him like the kind of rube goldberg machine of it yes. where he's lining all the elements up and you don't know where they're going whereas here like it's very obvious like it's cartoonish where he's like i'm gonna take this giant flammable object and move it away from closer to away from the baby closer to away from the baby um whereas like in the uh, in the days of future past it's like well okay i'm gonna move the the leg just this far one direction Mm-hmm. this far that and then when time catches up it's going to look like this <laughs> yeah. um whereas i felt like it was a very unconvincing version of that and they only do it once and and that was more than enough for me yeah and, and uh, like this is me this is pure pure subjectiveness i have always hated the 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 lightning visuals the way in which he chooses to do his like speed running movement 
Uh, I think it. Looks it like a dork, I think it looks really <laughs> stupid. Like, and I, I understand that that's like incredibly like uh, all criticism is subjective, but this is the most subjective. I think it looks too stupid. And so I can't be on board with it. <laughs> I like the way that you say stupid. Like it's that stupid. guy talking about Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Look at like, that man like, running like, stupid. <laughs> I also like, I don't like it that like it electrocutes thing because no one notices that it electrocutes everything. <laughs> and if I'm in a grocery store and all of a sudden the light, like a uh, lightning hits a light, I'm going to at least react to that. But no one seems <laughs> to. And it's very upsetting. And it looks stupid the way he runs. <laughs> I'm sorry. To take more inspirations from Sonic, uh, Darren. By the way, the live-action Knuckles series on Paramount Plus, which uh, of course Elba is is reprising his role as Knuckles, uh, just recently cast Carrie Eloise, Stockard Channing, Christopher Lloyd, uh, and Paul Shear. So I don't know what's going on with that. As show. people what? or voices, yeah. details on their characters are being kept under wraps. Oh. Docker Channing. Yeah, yeah. Coming so, from the West like, Wing. Mrs. Mrs. Bartlett from the West yeah. Wing. <laughs> yeah. And, great. and speakeasy, I don't care if that's how you would realistically run if you were running that fast. I don't care if it looks stupid. Just make it look cool. <laughs> Just make it Just look cool. Hard. Just make it look cool. It's it's like Tom Cruise karate chopping the air. Um <laughs> So he can go fast through it. Right. But it looks cool when he does it. Tom Cruise is the coolest runner. <laughs> you, you know, like, it's, again, it's that balance of, like, you know. Oh, oh my God. Know. That's why Tom Cruise loved the movie. He's like, finally, I feel seen. <laughs> well, also because they directly reference Top Gun. That's probably, like, the easiest yeah, way yeah. to his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, who was it? Kevin Bacon was in Top Gun? Kevin was Bacon was in Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he spent the next hour and 40 minutes laughing and missed the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bacon and Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand why him and Nicole Kidman were, were married. They both just love the movies so much. They do. She loves do. sitting in her AMC theaters mm. and yeah. Mm. What 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 do you think like if he goes to AMC he arrives late? Like does does he arrive for the ad or does he skip the ad? Does he see Maria Menounos before him? <laughs> does she I don't know if she exists in Ireland, but Maria Menounos is big in theaters here. Oh Jack, ah. do you come to theaters early for Maria Menounos? I don't maybe I don't know who Maria Menounos is. Uh, oh, we have, man. well it's A, great name to see. Okay. So, we have we have Marcus Marcus theaters. Here. Yeah, she's not at the Marcus theater. She's at AMC theaters. So we get. So. I don't get to see Nicole Kidman. I see Greg Marcus, CEO of Marcus Theaters, yeah. do insufferable. They little, are so those skits are so bad. <laughs> and like they're so bad. The the current uh, Greg Marcus skits are commenting about how everyone hates the Greg Marcus skits, but Greg Marcus loves them. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you know who owns these theaters? Exactly. So that's what I get before shows. Sometimes we'll get like a, the little like pre-show like trivia thing, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maria Menounos, I believe at AMC theaters, hosts the pre-shows so before the trailers start. Gotcha. Maria oh. Menounos is your host. She used to be a host on E. Oh, the e OK. Gotcha. Ah. E an exclamation point. So she's great. She's wonderful. Everyone loves Maria Menounos. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, sure I would like also, that because I enjoy trivia. Yeah. Yeah, and a great, great name to say. Uh, Mr. Petilicious with a final hour dono. Uh, I have origin story fatigue. I've had or origin story fatigue for a very long time.
Yeah. Problem, this also though, wasn't an origin story, technically, right? No, this was it not had to be. It was it was as well, though. Like that's the oh, thing of all the Yeah, it was, I guess half for half of the characters. It, it, yeah, it's running through the checklist of the things. Jesus so it's like Christ. he has to he I know he has to go and like recreate his origin story, but it zaps the other one and not him instead. But then he has to zap himself again. And yeah. it's like just it's like we know that you didn't get a flash origin story, but we know that you're hungering for a flash origin story, and we are not gonna let you you down we promise um like the thing though about origin stories is and this is a problem facing superhero movies now is that origin stories like are actual stories they have clear beginnings middles and ends Mm -hmm. like it your character at the start of an origin story is fundamentally different from your character at the end of an origin story Mm -hmm. so it's a very clear arc to tell with a beginning a middle and an end nice three-act structure when you get past that you see a lot of, and again in comic books comic books are the perpetual second act that's the great f scott fitzgerald quote great comic book critic american lives have no second act but american comic books are all second act Ooh. the idea that like characters never really make any linear progression they're stuck in a perpetual now which is fine for a monthly comic book where you're subscribing over years and decades or whatever but if you're sitting down to watch a self-contained movie mm-hmm. you like the movie to have a beginning middle and end which is why the format used to be that you would have a first movie where the character gains their powers and a second movie where the character loses their powers. I'm thinking, for example, Superman 2, where he gives up his powers. Spider-Man 2, where he gets impotence, for example. Mm -hmm. Even the Wolverine, where he gives up his powers and has them taken away from him. Because that gives you the inverse arc where they have to get back. So you have, like again, clear beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. And a problem with the modern comic book boom is that you don't have that, which is why origin stories are so structurally alluring to people because they are the only stories (laughs) that really have the conventional movie structure. And I do agree that they're largely boring. I don't know that I'd say that they need to be done away with entirely. I think if you have a nice inventive approach, like say Into the Spider-Verse, which mm-hmm. largely parodies it beyond recognition, but it's yeah. still an interesting, innovative approach to it. Mm-hmm. I think you can find a way to do it. But yeah, I, I I understand why people hate them. I also understand why movies keep doing them is the thing. Yeah. Well, you know, we kind of a safety crutch. We can, we can have origin stories, but hopefully like the... Uh, general audience language for origin story is now progressed enough where we can shorten them so much. We don't need <laughs> we don't need an entire act dedicated to pre-powers. Or we don't need a, the entire second act. Oh, well, how do these powers work? Fuck that. Just get to the good stuff. Did you see the... Did I you see the Power Rangers movie that came out? Like... The good one, right? The, the one with Brian ago. Cranston, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't morph until like... The last act of that movie, and I was like, "Y'all need quicker morphin. You need more morphin. <laughs> <laughs> Your morphin's not mighty enough. It's not mighty I didn't enough." I the movie. We just needed more morphin. Just yeah, I heard that was a good movie. I didn't get to see it, but yeah, I heard Bill it was Hader played played Alpha Five, and yeah. uh, uh, what's oh, wow, name? Elizabeth Banks played Rita Repulsa. Yeah, Rosa. it was. It was much much better cast than that than was you. the same same year as uh, Fan Forstick, right? I remember them being around the same Ooh. time for some reason. <laughs> Fan Forstick. Fan Forstick. Yeah. Fan Forstick. Yeah, the, you my know, favorite the, thing about that movie is when Josh Trank uh, wrecked that house because of all his dogs. <laughs> yeah. 
It feels like a metaphor of some kind. <laughs> I just don't know. My what. my favorite part was the was the uh, unnecessary uh, body horror montage when Reed Richards is trying to escape the uh, the asylum, and it, it just turns <laughs> into a weird like my bones don't exist, so I'm falling apart. Like genuinely creepy body <laughs> horror in a fantastic four movie. Yeah, <laughs> fucking loved it. It was like Josh is a very weird dude. Body like. horror and um. Uh, military black ops, uh, or what do you call that when they're like paid military? <laughs> like contractors, private contractors. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, body horror and private military contractors. Exactly what I want in a fantastic four movie. Oh, that just don't, don't like forget. That sounds like a Metal Gear game to me, and that's don't, don't don't forget that it's clobbering time began as the shout that like the thing's older abusive brother would yell before beating yeah, him with a baseball bat. Right. That's <laughs> I didn't right. forget about that till that moment. I remember literally in theaters being like, oh, why are we doing that? <laughs> it's think, certainly a choice. I think that did, that went a long way. Fan, Fan Forestick went a long way of ridding us of like the grim, dark superhero uh, trend that was bubbling up. We were like, okay, yeah, we don't need that. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. You guys got to stop calling it Fan Forestick because now I'm only <laughs> going to be thinking about Fan Forestick. That's what it is. Look at the title. It is, it is it, technically yeah, it's, it's Fanta for Fant Force. <laughs> no, it's Fan Forestick. Yeah, like okay. Seven then. <laughs> so Fan Forestick. That makes it sound like a sequel to Succession. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Clever Lee Dope uh, with a ten dollar dono. Uh, thank you so much, Clever Lee. Said uh, I just think it's wonderful that the antagonist. That's Lee Murky, I think. That's Lee Murky. Is that Lee? I believe. Oh, I think thank you so much, Lee. Uh, I just uh, think it's wonderful that the antagonist of Across the Spider Verse is essentially an algorithm of rigid expectation that corrupts all who submit to it. Um, which is we've kind of gotten that. This is like a there's something in the water because we're getting that in Space Jam Two that has LG <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> Uh, the, the Matrix Resurrections is, is all about what happens Sli- when you try to reboot something. Slight spoilers for like Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Like Tom Cruise don't like algorithms. Oh, Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise have strong opinions about algorithms. That um, shocks me. Yeah. That shocks me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then even like Air being about like profit sharing. And it's ultimately <laughs> their first movie that they want profit sharing in with, yeah. with all the below the line. Yeah. Numbers. yeah. But, but again, like that's the beautiful thing about across the spider verse is it's about something, even if like the commentary is slightly on itself and it's, it's on its own, uh, like, uh, oh, we're, you know, we're not a lot like, uh, like Darren brought up uh, earlier with, you know, the, the star Wars movie that we can't mention. Where it's like, like you are not allowed to have your character do anything that deviates from the or from the canon. Because once it deviates from the canon, uh, worlds literally die. <laughs> and I love it that because you know what you know. Eventually, uh, what I'm hoping at least is what the setup there is. No, we can move forward. Isn't that lovely? It's it's a beautiful self-referential metaphor. Sorry, Darren. Go ahead. No, no, but that, that is the debate. Like, that's the big difference between, like, the Flash and, and like, Spider-Verse thematically, is that Spider-Verse is about the idea that, like, we are confined by narratives and that, like, again, literally a police force. It's not exactly subtle, and it plays into that other metaphor we talked about, about, like, it being a story about a family sending their young child out into the world. Mm-hmm. He suddenly encounters police officers, and they're going to treat him differently because he mm-hmm. is he doesn't belong there or whatever. Yeah. But thematically, it is very much about the idea of 
the canon and preserving it and preserving the status quo. And as you said, the idea that there is one right way for things to be, both in the world as it exists around us, uh, systemic capitalism, all that sort of metaphorical, abstracty, philosophical nonsense. Mm -hmm. But in the concept of like these stories about multiverses, that push and pull as well, which is like there is one right way to tell a Flash story. Yeah. Like that that's the thing about like the, the Flash that upsets me so much is like they say it specifically. It's like chasing perfection. Barry wants to make the world perfect. And like the movie comes so close to grasping it because like the Barry who wants to make things perfect is ultimately proven to be wrong, right? Which means the movie theoretically should understand that messiness is a part of storytelling and you should celebrate and encourage it. Uh, whereas the movie itself exists in a larger corporate framework that is basically going to hit the big reboot button, turn it off, turn it back on, see if we can start over and get a perfect universe. Um, and again, the fact that all this is tied into at a time when we're talking about AIs, algorithms, like, you know, the fact that writers are currently striking to ensure that our work won't be written by AI algorithms that, as Jack pointed out, are based purely on what already exists, mm -hmm. uh, on what is already written, what is already established. Um, like, I, I really do think that this stuff is fascinating, you know, in in terms of talking about like superhero continuity i obviously love that i live in a room full of superhero <laughs> comics um yeah. but in terms of like the industry in which people are working because we are talking about like what it is to write for a nostalgic property and whether or not as jack said you can write new stuff or whether you just have to keep reiterating and reiterating regurgitating mm -hmm. stuff that people have already seen like ai does in its like deep learning models and then obviously the bigger stuff which is like the world in which we are living at a mo in the moment which maybe isn't really working that well is that the only way that the world can be or can we imagine a better possibility and i think like fundamentally the difference between spider-verse and flash is that spider-verse says fuck that imagine a better world <laughs> do whatever it takes to live in a world that isn't a hellscape where the people you love have to suffer in order for things to be quote unquote what they are meant to be mm -hmm. whereas the flash is like well, it's too bad your mama had to die, but it's okay, because here's George Clooney as Batman, right? Um, <laughs> right? Right? Oh. Darren, your, your ability to, uh, to express your thoughts and ideas is forever humbling. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> And then you you ruin it uh, with your puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Ruin or make better. Make better, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred. I mean, we all conquer spider adversity. No, that doesn't work. Adversity, no. Spider adversity. No, no, no. We'll work on it. We'll work chopping. I think that's the first time I've ever heard you stumble over one. Yeah, I know. I was so close. Oh, no. I was like, it was. I was so close to a perfect game, and I just. I couldn't help myself. I just. You brought it up. The ball. That's the problem. Is you yeah, don't bring yeah. up the perfect game during yeah. the perfect game. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> not not your best pun by miles. Uh, is what Chris Morales. Yeah, uh, Chris. Says, I was thinking of Tails, Miles Prower, the, the the fox from Sonic. Get out of oh, town. No. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, Santucci says, "Am I the only one who thought that the George Clooney appearance was simply a joke?" Yeah, I mean, it sure, it was. It was a joke, but it also goes a long way in invalidating. All of the the actual like world building work that the movie has made, like oh yeah, it was like a, just a cheeky little like ah yes he was a Batman once and now he's the Batman, but it also means that everything that Barry has tried to accomplish failed 
slash it didn't matter in the first place because Barry seems to be okay with it? Are we supposed to be yeah. okay with it? What, what does anything mean? It's like the end of that, uh, there's the one uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror uh, skit where Homer keeps going back in time and uh, like to a prehistoric time and yes. keeps fucking Close something enough, up and everything yeah. comes back, it's different. And by the end of it, everything's normal except everyone's eating with like lizard tongues. And yeah. He's like, man, close enough. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, good enough. Exactly. Which, which is a good joke for a Simpsons episode. Yeah. But it's yeah. not one. For a seven where, minute skit. Yeah. Yeah. Not where you want to end a movie that is supposedly about like dealing with trauma and grief and accepting the world as it is, except when it gets us a cameo from George Clooney, which we think is funny. Like, yeah. and, and, and the fact that it's the closing image of the film as well means it's, by default, the film's thesis statement as well. Correct. Like, this is what people leave. And I know you have the post credit scene with the Aquaman and Jason Momoa, which seems to exist largely to remind viewers or to promise viewers that Momoa isn't being recast for Aquaman 2. Um, yeah. It's a very strange, very strange scene. Um, but yeah, it's very odd. And like the fact that that joke presumably, like, we've heard about reshoots for Aquaman with like Michael Keaton and with Ben Affleck. How hilarious would it be if it was just George Clooney and nobody having gone to see the flash just had to like deal with the fact that George Clooney was Batman in Aquaman two and the hidden kingdom. Fuck it. Do, yeah. Do whatever they want. Put, put whoever. <laughs> it, dig, dig. I mean, ho- hopefully it won't matter. No one saw the flash. And so no one will see the next one. Presumably. <laughs> yeah. It was a rough, I, rough weekend at the box office between flash and uh, elemental. I I would not be surprised if Aquaman overperforms. Like this is the thing where I I I think Blue Beetle is doomed, unfortunately. And I, I that's not a statement on the quality of the film mm-hmm. or anything like that. Not a judgment on the film itself. I suspect the film will probably be a lot better than The Flash because it will be, as Jack said, a straightforward superhero movie that will likely have a clear arc, structure, character, and theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the basic ingredients <laughs> of a movie. Whether or not those whether or not it does those yeah. things well, it will probably have them, sure. which will probably give it a leg up. Um, but I think that... Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Flash also couldn't use its its lead actor uh, yes. to promote Perfect anything. Reason. Like they, they couldn't be a part of any of the publicity. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm sure Jason Maboa, who everyone loves and was the best part of fast 10 is going to be on fucking hot ones. And he's going to be, you know, he's going to, he's going to be doing the rounds and everything. Yeah, and he's fair. charming I mean, as hell. He, and so he'll be, fine. and he's certainly not going to be filling fast X part two. If Vin Diesel no. has anything to say about it. Um, <laughs> he was too good. Get him out of here. <laughs> Well, it's it's like it's been a while. I, I'm trying to think of recent DC movies that have even met that competency level, you know, where it's like like Black Adam was its own clusterfuck yeah. of 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 magnitudal force. Uh, I actually I didn't see the Shazam two uh, just because like movies it's hard to see them sometimes. Pretty bad. Um, and so it's like, what's the last DC movie that was good? Was it the Suicide Squad? The Suicide Squad. Yeah, and the Batman. And the Batman. I mean, if we're talking about just that's yeah. not part of the universe, but yeah. Sure. And so it's like, you know, like DC is also just like trying to work on getting this stank off of them as far (laughs) as far as like general perception is concerned. Do we think people know the difference? Like the people still ask me why Batman wasn't an endgame. Like this is like, like, do people really know the difference between DC and and Marvel? Why why was Batman? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. Just put him in there. Would anybody have noticed if they just CGI'd a Batman in the background? Yeah. Came out one of those portals. I was thinking, C- like, there had to have been a Batman actor in Endgame, but no, I guess not. Yeah. 
Um, I, but like, I do wonder, like, is is there like is there a sense that we, as obviously we're on the internet talking about films, so we know this stuff. Right. But like, I I talked to like older relatives who would watch Endgame, and like, my mother watched Endgame, not realizing it was part two of like Infinity War, and it is it is to the credit of Endgame. To be clear, she was able to follow along pretty well, yeah. given she's like. Darren, was there a, was there a something I missed before the start of the movie? And it's like, eh, yeah, there was. And it's like, okay, I think I think I got it. I, yeah. I um, think the majority of audience goers nowadays, the, the majority of okay. movie goers, audience goers, the people who go to audiences, <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the majority. I sit at the front of the theater facing the audience and stare <laughs> at them for two hours. By the way, I would love that just to, I because I love watching people's reactions. But uh, the the majority of movie goers are probably older people. Are age we're older now deal with it um uh, who generally speaking have a passing knowledge of pop culture things i think i think in general people know the difference between dc heroes and marvel heroes if only because that is the majority of zeitgeist talk so i'm i'm gonna say people who wondered why batman wasn't in endgame are outliers that's my yeah that's my oh, assumption. I, 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 I kind of want Batman in Endgame now. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, I want him to show up. Oh yeah, there's enough portal. There's enough portals for everyone. Uh, Lampy with a five pound donor earlier. Thanks so much, Lampy. Said, uh, quoting Darren, "Oh God, the Flash movie was so bland. I need something good. When can I get my screener of Barbie? You already, you already sprinkling that. You're, it sounds like you already saw Mission Impossible. You have no one's seen Barbie yet, right?" No, well, uh, nobody has probably seen. Barbie. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I know that the right the writer has seen Barbie. No, no, she's yeah. just cutting in the dark. It's like it's a really experimental art film. They gave uh, my we- fucking office to <laughs> Christopher Nolan to cut his movie. He's not even here. <laughs> I had to go to the Universal lot to edit my movie. What is going on? <laughs> but um, I, I will say yes. Yeah, so like it is. Um, yeah, like nobody's seen, and I think the author of American Prometheus has seen Oppenheimer. I do love. Apparently, Cruz is like touring wildly with uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning mm. because he really wants those IMAX screens. So apparently, he is showing it to anybody who will see it uh, to convince them to try and give him a little extra time in IMAX. Like that is the real tragedy of this like summer is that like. I think the summer started out strong. I think Guardians yeah. 3 was great. I think Spider-Verse yeah. was fantastic. Um, I think that like it's been a bit of a dead zone kind of since. And it's really odd that like you're going to have three phenomenal movies coming out within a week of each other at the end of July, where you're going to have Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Barbie and Oppenheimer all kind of crashing on top of one another. Mm-hmm. And I know Barbie isn't designed for IMAX, so let's take that out of consideration. But you have like Oppenheimer, which is so designed for IMAX, they built bigger reels to hold it. Um, and obviously like Mission Impossible Fallout, which is a film designed to be seen with practical effects on as big a format as possible. It's just a shame that like the summer ended up panning out the way that it did, with all due respect to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, oh, which is no, coming. we don't need to give that any due respect. I think we're fine <laughs> not giving that any due respect. <laughs> we're done. If, if Harrison Ford is done with Indiana Jones, we can be done with him, too. <laughs> like the fact that the fact that these movies are still being made, though, the lead actor is vocally against being in them. We can all be OK. Just I, not going to see it. I, I think I think Ford is happy he's in this one. He's just not doing yeah. any other ones and doesn't want anyone else to play him, which is grand. And By the way, how long ask after me about the Red Hulk? Because I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, but like, I, I do think like Ford, like he doesn't like Han Solo, but I think he does care about Indy. I think like Indy is Ford's big passion project. But yeah, I think 
we'll talk about it when we talk about Indiana Jones. I think there's a question about like, why are you making this movie without, and I know people hate George Lucas, but why are you making this movie without George Lucas and Steven Spielberg? What is the point of making a Indiana Jones movie without those people involved? Uh, when it, the kingdom of the crystal skull is one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. But also like, at least did. that feels because yeah. we don't need him. We don't. And you know, this is maybe, this is where I can, I can, uh, be okay uh, contrarying you a little bit like let other people be indiana jones let indiana <laughs> jones grow like let us have more indiana jones story it doesn't need to be harrison ford get really give us fun. give us a james uh, a younger actor who can give us a little indiana jones story that happens in between one of the three that we already have or this the adventures of young indiana jones uh you know I, there's like I say my my counterpart that is like do what Indiana Jones did, which is just rip him off. Like Indiana sure. Jones is a rip off of all these classic pulp icons, you know, the Flash Gordons or mm. whatever, Prince Valiant, all that sort of stuff. Like <laughs> you just, have Uncharted just, right here, guys. <laughs> Nathan Drake, ladies and gentlemen. But like no, but like do something like yeah. do something similar. You sure. can you can have a character who like audience members who are old folkies like us will go, ah, it's clearly meant to be Indiana Jones. But like my younger sister will be like, I really like that uh Jindiana owns character. I don't. Jindiana. Jindiana. No, and and by the way, I'm okay with Illinois. Illinois James Pacific Jones did a very good job. Illinois James. There you go. And see, like I'm okay with either. Like, yeah, give us new characters that are basically carbon copies, or just fuck it. I don't. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Harrison (laughs) Ford. Act like uh, he is younger than he is. It's okay to let people. It's okay to let people die, and it's okay to let people grow old. That you know. But that's now. Now they're in the computer chat, and no. now we have their likenesses, and now yeah. we can do whatever yeah. we want with them. No. Now we can like meat puppet them. Yeah, but without meat, so the yeah. smell doesn't bother people. No, it's corpse puppeting. <laughs> but like that's all we're doing with Indiana Jones now is we're we're corpse puppeting pre corpse, and like we should be okay not doing that. <laughs> So actors just shouldn't be allowed to act after the age of 70. I think we all agree. <laughs> they compulsory retirement. All he should do is be flying his planes and crashing them into golf courses. Like a, like a regular 80 year old. Yeah. No. Or, or, you know, like take a role as an old man. <laughs> be, be an, you don't have to run around and jump around. Anymore. Really, I like him in shrinking. Because he well, just plays a crotchety old man in shrinking. Right. I thought he was but, like, on this show. but that's the issue is that like the movie landscape doesn't really exist anymore where they can do that. Where like they have to migrate to television, which is if you're a movie star seen as being a downgrade. Mm-hmm. Like what happens to Tom? This is the big thing. Tom Cruise is what, 61 years old-ish now? Yeah. He was like 59 when he shot Dead Reckoning Part 1. And it's like, what does he do? Like he was saying, this is going to be my last, you know, obviously the the next one's going to be my last Mission Impossible. I can't keep doing this forever. But it's like, what else can he do? They don't make like adult skewing dramas anymore. They don't make movies like Robert Redford or Paul Newman used to make when they could no longer do all the stuff that they used to do when they were younger. And that's the thing with Harrison Ford, where it's like he can be in Thunderbolts or he can be in Shrinking, an Apple TV Plus show, which is great, but is on something that nobody is aware exists like that that's that's it that's the challenge i think is that there's no way out apart from this so when somebody shows up at michael keaton's house and says look how's your property tax for the last 10 years would you like to be batman again he has to go you know that movie i made birdman yeah 
Yeah, I'd love to be Batman. Really, that's yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I want. That's all. Yeah, I you want. guys didn't watch that, did you? No, that's fine. Yeah, okay, I yeah, I'll be and I, in the fucking costume, get Danny Elfman on the horn. It's fine. I I think like now it is the responsibility of people like Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford to say no to that to bring back those other movies because like it, what is the point of being uh, a a mouthpiece for movies in general if the scope of movies in general is so narrow? Tom Cruise. I'm calling you out. <laughs> That's right. You're a. Well, everything would have been different if they just would have given him his fucking Oscar for Magnolia. <laughs> everything would have been different. I, I I also think things would have been different if like the internet hadn't reacted the way it did to the couch jumping in 2006. Because that was the point at which Cruz really kind of like narrowed down and was like, this is what I do. This is all you get of me. This is me trying to kill myself on camera for your amusement. Is that what you like? Is that what you like? And audience are like, yeah, that's actually yeah, that's what we That like. and the <laughs> Howard Dean Yelp are the two moments where I'm like, how <laughs> did these two things change history? <laughs> like, why did this happen? Right? Please, please clap. Times. Please clap. Please clap. Oh, we, live, we live in the literal dumbest fucking time. <laughs> Uh, it's the uh, only one we got it's literally oh no what if we run what if we run fast enough and go to the chrono dome uh paul with a two-hour dono said y'all excited about ai bringing back the dead uh i think we i think we 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 covered that nicely um it's gross it's gross it's It's gross not not only bringing back the dead but like you know de de de-aging people so they can play just younger younger actors just cast new actors godfather 2 did it just fine yeah just cast a younger actor it's okay it's it also cast new people in the same roles. We don't care. We don't care that we have four or five different James Bonds. They're all fun in different ways. We don't care yeah. that Rhodey got replaced in the second Iron Man movie. Yeah. Well, we, we we like Don Cheadle better anyway. Like, just give. It's okay. It's okay to recast. We'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's, I'm waiting for the, the James Bond in the Multiverse of Madness movie now, where they have to explain the across the Bond into the Bondverse. You know that someone pitched that already, hundred percent. Yeah, all the James well, Bonds was, meet. Wasn't that that was um, Pierce Brosnan's pitch, wasn't it? Where it was like he wanted all the James Bond actors to get together and do their Expendables. Obviously, they wouldn't be doing it as James Bond, but it would just sure, be the Expendables, sure. but with like the seven Bond actors together. I, I like seeing like that every generation is looking down on the prior one of like, oh, that's kind of sexual <laughs> harassment, dude. <laughs> Everyone, like Daniel Craig's like, cool. oh, Pierce, <laughs> that's not cool. Pierce, like, yeah, but look at Connor, he's slapping women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Roger, Roger Moore character is a walking sexual harassment lawsuit waiting now. But when that Kingsman, Kingsman was basically what if we made a Roger Moore movie today? Is yeah, basically yeah. what Kingsman is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was pretty uh, damn fun. It was pretty fun. Uh, SGS Guru with a two euro dono. Thank you so much. I think the speed effect in Eternals was the best. You know what, guys? Time I think is shining well on the Eternals. I think the Eternals came out quiet. Didn't ruffle a lot of feathers. I think it's slowly coming back. Um, I think I think people are gonna we're gonna have an eternal sauce. I I think you've been pushing this for a while, and I think you know I this have. is a soft crowd, Marty. Um, yeah. I think you know this is an easy room. Yeah. Um, I I did not hate the Eternals. Um, I actually I quite like Zao's direction. I think Zao's direction is the best part. Of it. I actually think it has one of the better third act climaxes of one of these projects in a while, in that it looks distinct. Um, and it's also a pretty decent Justice League movie. And Jack looks like he is searching for the exit. Um, I, no, I am because gen- I have seen the Eternals. I am genuinely <laughs> trying to remember any powers from that movie, and I cannot. That, 
they're all Justice League powers. So like Fastos yeah, has like uh, Green Lantern. Yeah. yeah, one guy's the the, the Flash. Macari's the Flash. Sure. Uh, Druid has mind control yeah. powers. I can't. Uh, super, yeah. I cannot well, like, see them. And Angelina Jolie is like Wonder Woman. She has a sword. No, sure. Remember when we left that uh, the corpse of a giant dead god in the South Pacific, and then no movie ever referenced with it, it with his hands just kind of poking out through the surface. Feels like that should be brought up. Like Spider-Man: No Way Home, they should not be being like, "Oh, we're we gonna get into MIT." They should be like, "There's a god that's dead in the ocean, changing everything." There should just be like background, like TV. I don't even need the characters to comment on it because maybe like they have that conversation off camera. Yeah. Yeah. But there should just be like in the background of shots, like news footage of like updates from the giant ant or like yeah. merchandise, like in the background of oh, shops. Yeah. That's a tourist after. destination now. Like, you know, yeah. come visit the giant hand of whatever country that was <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hilarious. The God's name, so I definitely don't remember what the God's name was. No, and I, I don't remember what anyone's name I was shocked, Darren, that you remembered any of those character names because I don't. I do, yeah. yeah. Well, keep in mind, I, I'm a, keep in mind, I'm a big fan of Eternals in the comics. I would wholeheartedly oh, recommend okay. uh, gotcha. Isad Rabik and uh, Kieran Gillen's recent run on the the comics as well. They're very very good because uh, I'm a huge Denver? nerd. That's uh, okay. No, Kieran Gillen. Oh, not Karen Gillen. Oh, nice. That would be very cool if she like if she like dabbled. If she seems really talented, she's good as Nebula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One I love of the idea of Marvel editorial being like, we have the next writer for our Eternals run. Neil Gaiman couldn't yeah. get this right, but wait. Um, she was a great. She was a, a great Doctor companion. A, you know, great Nebula. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good. A great good writer of the Eternals. And a with great Isad writer Rubik. of the Eternals. <laughs> she was in that movie Duel, where she had to fight herself. Did you see that movie with, with Aaron Paul? And gunpowder milkshake, and gunpowder she was milkshake. very. I thought she was very good in Oculus. Actually, I actually really liked. Yeah, her she's very Oculus, uh, which is a Mike Flanagan joint. Yeah. Oh. oh my god! I hope he does a dark tower movie. Uh, Mr. <laughs> uh, Delicious, again with a five dollar. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just happy I didn't have to watch Thomas and Martha Wayne die again in the Flash. I would have walked out of the theater. Uh, well, don't worry, because Andy Muschietti's coming back for Bra- Batman: Brave and the Bold. <laughs> Maybe we'll get our wish. Don't you, uh, Darren? You had a really great um, sort of thread. On people are like, why the hell is he coming back for it? And your thread made perfect sense. Uh, In a depressing sort of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to distill why it makes sense that he's directing the the new Batman movie? Yeah, I want to be clear. Depiction is not endorsement. Uh, That me (laughs) stating this does not state that I agree with this and think it is a good thing that this is how it works. But basically, like Machete did the job. Like Mm. the key thing is like when we talk about these movies online, we tend to talk about our feelings about them whether or not they are good um and again we even talk about like whether or not they're profitable which is also a concern that's more of a concern than if they're good but there's also (laughs) the fact that like if you're if you're working in an industry particularly an industry like entertainment Mm -hmm. uh you also need to have existing relationships and you also need to hire people based on their past performance and you need to ask what have they done for the company and how do we reward them Mm -hmm. and it's very telling that machete got hired for uh brave and the bold the announcement came through the morning before the flash opened making it very clear that this was not a reward based on box office this was a signal being sent that he was being hired because we liked working with him on the flash and the reason for that is very simple the flash is a movie that warner brothers needed to exist and had wanted to exist for god knows how long it was a movie that had plagued the studio they'd been unable to get into cinemas They'd had directors like walk away repeatedly over Mm -hmm. like clashes with visions. The famous story that they couldn't even get like Sam Raimi, Matthew Vaughn, Robert Zemeckis uh, to sign up and do it. You had people walking away like Sean Levy walked away. Rick Famawea walked away. The two guys who did Dungeons and Dragons walked away as well. Like that this was a movie that was fundamentally undeliverable to the studio specifications. And Machete, to his credit, came in and look. 
I don't know what the production was like. I don't know whether it was a pleasant experience for everybody involved or whether it was a painful one. I don't know whether he ate seven pounds of shit to get it done, but he got it done. Like, he delivered that movie on time. Mm -hmm. Given the amount of production difficulties that it faced, he delivered it on a reasonable budget, reasonable by the standards of modern Hollywood movie making. Um, in that it only costs like two hundred and fifty, two hundred twenty million dollars instead of three hundred million dollars, like Fast X, for example. Um, and he got it done. He got it in the can, and it did everything that the studio asked it to do. And if you read all the commentaries on the movie, none of the ideas seem to have come from Machete himself. They all came from the studio. And instead of Machete pushing back or drawing a line or trying to fight or trying to argue, his approach seems to have been, look, it's your movie. Let me implement it in the most cost-effective way imaginable. He also had to navigate a shitstorm around like the Ezra Miller situation, which he handled with grace, which meant putting him in front of cameras where he had to defend the movie, defend his relationship to Miller, and try and sell the movie at the same time. And he did all of this without once seeming to break character, without once seeming to voice any frustration, without even hinting that the movie had a troubled production or gestation cycle. And that is a remarkable piece of soldiering. That is a very good soldier. So if you are Warner Brothers and you are looking at this movie, which should not exist, which you have been trying to force into existence for literal decades at this point, you look at the man who did it for you and you want to A, reward him, B, Make sure that when you are doing something similar with Batman, you have somebody that you can work with and cooperate with in that position. And see, you probably also want to send a message to the rest of Hollywood that, look, he's getting this opportunity and Rick Famawea isn't. Like, Rick Famawea and Sean Levy walked away from the project. They don't get their cool Batman movie. Mm -hmm. You stick with us. You implement our notes. You do what we tell you. We will make sure that you come out the other side perfectly composite you'll be made whole and as it were again this is not darren endorsing these tactics yeah. this is uh this is just a probably very realistic uh, take yep. on the events yes yeah. <laughs> and, and we should we should note as well that like in terms of like machete's filmography he also delivered it to the studio it a movie that is fundamentally unfilmable mm. uh, and ended up being like one of the biggest movies of the year it was released a massive commercial success mm -hmm. and you know a film that arguably like inspired them to try and do the dark tower um a couple of years later to everybody's uh misfortune boom, but like boom, yeah boom. I, <laughs> but like yeah like machete like you can see why warner brothers want to be in the machete business basically. oh well and you know like uh, uh, this is something that uh, I always assume needs not be stated, but like something that uh, I find myself stating more and more as uh, I criticize things in general. Making a movie is hard. Making finishing a movie is a, a, a near Herculean, impossible task, especially a franchise movie, especially a franchise movie that is part of a giant studio system. The inner workings of finishing a a blockbuster franchise superhero comic book feature film is impossible. The fact that he was able to do that, even though the movie isn't good, like this has nothing to do with how good the movie is. Obviously, we yeah. don't we don't like the movie. It sucks. Whatever. Yeah. But the the task of finishing a project of this magnitude has to be respected in some way. Absolutely. Uh, you know, from from our standpoint, from anyone's standpoint. And so, like, I think Darren, yeah. Darren is just stating a fact is like, oh, Warner Brothers is being huge shitheads here. Like you do one for us. Maybe we'll give you the crumb of the Batman. 
Uh, <laughs> I like that Andy Muschietti's uh, career slash character arc is just Tom Wobbscamps at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, that's, 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 not, that's not entirely fair. To be fair, I think he is a talented filmmaker. I do think that. Yeah, like, no, so do I. Yeah. Like, I think Mama was very good. I think the yeah. first It is very good. I think the second It is better than it should be. It's a very diplomatic <laughs> way of phrasing my opinion and of that movie. weird sore orgy. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's guys. it exactly. Yeah. Good taste. Good decision. Yeah. And I think, I think like, The Flash is, is, is done. The Flash is finished. The Flash was released in theaters. Yeah. And that is the most important thing that, like, Warner Brothers will remember about Andy Machete is they gave him the, they gave him the job. The job got done. Yeah. Um, and he never, like, again, it's, it's, I'm sorry I say that eat shit thing, but it does remind you mentioned Tom Wamsagam. It's that bit where like um, Kendall takes him aside and says, look, the guy my dad appreciated most of all is the guy who ate all the shit for him and never yeah. even needed to say it. And it's like, I feel like for this, with this movie, with everything going on around it, in it, uh, you know, I think Machete ate a lot of shit. And I think he is getting this as a thank you. And I think that's entirely like earned. I would not I could not make the flash. I would, you know, I, I would, even if I had the technical ability, I imagine at some point I would have a, a mental breakdown uh, when they were like, so the baby goes in the microwave. And I'm like, what? And they're like, the baby goes in the microwave. I have a smoke and then I never come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, seems, that seems like an easy thing to do. Not burning any bridges there. Uh, <laughs> Tyler King with the $2 donut. Thank you so much, Tyler. So love the pod. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Tyler. Appreciate it. Uh, and Kamja Ninja with a five dollar dono. Thank you so much, Kamja Ninja. Uh, guys, you're uh, you're in an alternate timeline. You must assemble the League of Nations to fight the mole people, or else be erased forever. You've already lost Joe. Who's the Joe in that scenario? Biden? Is he the most famous Joe? GI Joe? The guy who did call Oh, it's Michael Kelly from Rise of the Beasts. Ah, uh, there you go. Jack, did you see Rise of the Beasts? No. I haven't seen a Transformers movie since the first one because it was so bad. Why? Everyone, that, there's going to be a the real quick, choice. we're going to do a real quick Rise of the Beasts spoiler here. So okay. this is a Rise of the Beasts spoiler warning. Uh, Jack, do you know what happens at the very end of Rise of the Beasts? I, I do not, but I'm excited to find out. Darren, do you want to tell them what happens at the end of Rise of the Beasts? So basically the character played by Anthony Ramos, uh, who has saved the world and been involved in a gigantic CGI battle at the end. He's been looking for a job throughout the movie. He can't get a job. He's a former serviceman. Uh, unfortunately, before the incident, like his CEO used to complain that he, he didn't have it in him to sacrifice for the team. So he goes, he interviews for a security position. He goes down into the basement and he meets a man played by Michael Kelly, who you may remember as Doug Stamper from House of Cards. This is a balding white guy in his mid-50s. Character actor, probably not a big deal. You probably wouldn't know him. You'd recognize him as that guy from that thing you saw. Sure. And they start talking. And over the course of the conversation, which goes on a very long time, we should be bizarre. clear, yeah. it's bizarrely detailed how he's like, look, you deserve the thanks of a grateful nation. Take my card. And he hands the card across to Anthony Ramos. And Ramos is like, I don't know if I want to take this card. At which point... Michael Kelly, veteran character actor, legend of the New York stage, stands up. The shutters behind him begin to rise. It's a gigantic gray warehouse full of military technology. Anthony Ramos looks at the card. The second last shot of the movie are the words G.I. Joe on the business card. The final shot of the movie is Anthony Ramos's face as he realizes he's going to be in the next G.I. Joe movie. With the beasts who went to war. <laughs> I just got chills. Isn't it, isn't it great? I just got chills. They are doing a shared toy universe. <laughs> the Hasbro cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> with Michael Kelly as their Samuel L. Jackson. Great. Michael Kelly. Great. Uh, that's great. Hold on. I'm just going to real quick Google who Michael Kelly is. <laughs> this like is... you're putting all your eggs in the Michael Kelly basket. Yeah, it's like somebody yeah. at Paramount was like, look who we got. We got they got Samuel L. Jackson. DC yeah. got Viola Davis. Our guy. Our yeah. guy. You know what? Doug Stamper. You from you're like, yeah, oh, yeah I've seen that guy before. I like Michael Kelly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've seen him and stuff. I like him as an actor. Yeah. All right. There we go. Got to get tough. <laughs> Uh, I did like as a cam ninja suggesting that he should have opened it up revealing ponies. Should have been magical uh, ponies. Oh yeah. my god. I mean, that is not there's not a zero percent chance. Do <laughs> you do that like uh, spectacular Spider-Man thing where they're just walking past you know ninjas and ponies yeah. and Barbies? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Like a fucking fuck. He-Man in a cage. Yes. <laughs> uh it's great. Movies I, maybe movies were a mistake. You guys ever think that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should read books. Like Frost is right now in the darkness. Books are still books are still good. I saw someone someone in chat earlier was wondering whether or not uh, movie theaters would be a thing of the past, would be a myth that we told our children about. And and I don't believe that's been true. I, I think you know movie theaters have been dwindling for a long time, but we still have play theaters around. Like yeah. the plays have not gone away, books have not gone away. Uh, it's going to become a yeah. more and more niche thing, as yeah. movie theaters already have. There's less seats, they're more comfortable seats, they're more events. Uh, you know, they're yeah. showing older movies, they're showing fun things. It's it, repertoire theaters, yeah. yeah. Yeah, theaters are Listen. already like movie theaters are already nearing a final stage of like, oh yeah, we we don't have as many seats, we're not selling as many tickets. Tickets are gonna be slightly more expensive, you're gonna be more comfortable being here. It's gonna be great. <laughs> we always got Mario, we got the Nintendo Cinematic Universe. Fuck Everything you. <laughs> Illumination, good wow. crack the knuckles, oh, no, a Zelda movie in the works. Yeah. Fuck you all for seeing the Mario movie because now Illumination's making Zelda. You saw it too. Fuck all of you. We talked about it. On yeah. The show. Yeah. I see I a lot of movies. Time, that on VOD. I saw. Okay. I saw the. I, I saw the Flash. I, I gave the Flash my thirteen dollars and seventy nine cents. No one else saw it because that's fine. Y'all saw the Mario movie and we're like, hey, this isn't that bad. Now you're gonna get fucked. Illumination's gonna fuck it all up. Oh, you fucks. We're going to get a Kirby movie, though, and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Kirby, your enthusiasm, where he's voiced by Larry David. <laughs> oh, my God. That would actually be incredible. I think you, you got me on board now. Uh, uh, Lampy uh, with a five-pound dono. Thank you so much, Lampy. I uh, hope you've all made sure to protect yourself against Nick digitally de-aging you or worse, corpse puppeting you so that this podcast will never end. I imagine there's enough. We've spoken enough on camera to where oh, yeah. I don't think Nick will do it, but someone will probably do it. Yeah. Like Yahtzee, after Yahtzee dies, people will just keep making zero punctuations on every game that comes yeah, out. The, the yeah, more I, audio know. recording you have of yourself, the easier it is for them to duplicate and replicate your voice. So we are all Fucked. Yeah. yeah. Parents feeling it. Parents feeling it. Uh, and then SVS Guru with a 10 year old dono. Thank you so much, SVS Guru. Uh, any thoughts on the last John Wick movie? I didn't like it. Overly long, overstuffed and bloated, felt real tired. It made me think that John, uh, spoilers uh, to everybody, uh, for John Wick 4. Uh, did, I don't know. Did you see John Wick 4, uh, Jack? No. No, but I don't care about. Are you, go, are you going? Oh, okay. okay, then you don't care. Spoilers for John Wick Four, uh, and it made me think that John didn't die from his wound, but from old age. 
uh, and spoiler. I like John Wick 4. I thought it was I, a, a very creative action movie. And yes, probably too long, but um, it is it violated the tight 90 rule by being two tight 90s in a row. <laughs> Uh, you get a pass yeah exactly as long as you fall on one of the 90s you could be a four and a half hour movie that's fine on one of the 90s Um, I thought the action scenes were just remarkable it was a a feast a feast for the eyes and I actually liked and again this is somewhat invalidated by the news that they're making John Wick chapter 5 I like that he died at the end because I was like, finally, it fucking ends. Like, I was like, because my big issue with I love one, I love two, three, I'm kind of lukewarm on because that's the one where it's running in place. And it does feel like it's they're going to make a dozen of these. Mm -hmm. I like that four from the start is thematically like, no, no, there's only one ending to this story. And that one ending to this story is John dying after killing millions of people. Um, But like, yeah, I, I really liked that four ended with him dying. And I think like the exhaustion kind of played into that i feel like it worked because it was so long and because watching it it could no, it, it you kind of get that thing that that reeves does so well which is the sense of exhaustion and fatigue the fact that he's shuffling more than walking as he gets towards the end like that montmartre sequence which i know is divisive if you hate the movie there's a sequence where john wick goes up the 222 steps of montmartre gets knocked down and then has to climb them up again and if you are already very exhausted by this two hour and 40 minute movie you're like jesus fucking christ just take a stairlift like get a bike and ride it up the side or whatever but when i was watching i was like yeah okay this this feels like a movie that is aware of like how exhausting this is and that is the point and so when it gets to that point where he dies i was like yeah i I really liked it and was really moved by it and this is a really nice place to leave it and now i'm like no john wick chapter five of course this is john wick chapter five yeah that's too bad. Maybe maybe it's like Temple of Doom and it takes place before the other ones. And I hope it's, it's less racist, racist than Temple of Doom. Yeah, <laughs> like legally less racist. We watching Temple of Doom last night. I was like, oh no, yeah. oh, oh, well, oh no. Well, we, we are going to talk about those. I think next week, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That's the plan is to talk about the Indiana Jones because yeah, I have thoughts on Temple of Doom. Lots of yeah. thoughts. Yeah, Temple of Doom's the most divorced movie. A little bit racist, uh, Ark of the Covenant's a little bit uh, rapey, you know, like it's just yeah. a little bit of, just yeah. a little bit of, <laughs> that's very Avenue Q, everyone's a little bit rapey, everyone's <laughs> a little bit racist, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, just a, a shout out there in the comments, I know we normally do at the end stuff that we've been watching, um, yeah. I think all in the game's been asking about thoughts on Extraction 2 and Secret Invasion. Uh, very quickly, Extraction 2 is better than Extraction, um, it's not great, uh, but it's fun and pulpy and it feels like a good old-fashioned direct-to-video movie there is far far too much cgi in it. it is probably a little bit too long mm. but i admire the fact that it is just relentlessly like comically absurdly over the toply violent um there is a one take in it that kind of like breaks any suspension of disbelief by lasting i think 18 minutes and and oh. taking you from the inside of a prison to a moving train under attack from a helicopter um, but like once you get into the maximalist spirit of it, I think it's fine. I don't think it's amazing. I don't love it. Um, but I do think it's an improvement on the first one, which I found more of a grim slog. I think it, it, like it, I think, yeah, Extraction 2 is at least kind of goofy, silly fun. And I like that they go out of their way to explain how we survived the ending of Extraction, which was clearly not a movie they intended to make a sequel to. <laughs> where the, yeah. the, open, the opening 10 minutes of this movie are like very much directed at the Internet being like, fine. 
we'll tell you how he survived then. Okay. Um, and then Secret Invasion, uh, which I saw is fine. Like, I, I realize that's the most boring form of criticism. Uh, it is mostly competent. It's great that Samuel Jackson's getting the focus that he is. Um, I think it's nice that we're doing a Nick Fury story. I think the show is interesting in how it attempts to deal with the fact that the MCU is a diminished cultural force at this point. And it does that through the metaphor of Nick Fury, where characters literally say to Nick Fury, man, you're really not the same as you were before Endgame, are you, Nick Fury? I mean, the MCU. And so the central theme of the show is like the MCU getting its groove back, as it were, Hmm. or trying to figure out if it can get its groove back and be what it was 15 years ago. That stuff is interesting. I'm less interested in the um, the kind of like regressive scroll stuff where Captain Marvel like was like, you know, the scrolls kind of a little bit racist this idea of an invading force that like blends in and is secretly trying to conquer and like take you over and how like when it was written in the 1960s it was a metaphor for communism and when the comic book secret invasion was released in 2008 the hide the bush administration it was a metaphor for fear and you know islamophobia basically and you know maybe that's not cool to do right now and captain marvel's like well maybe we should think about like how refugees have generally been treated and portrayed in media and that would be a good thing for all the flaws with Captain Marvel, which is a movie that has many flaws, its portrayal of the scrolls was at least kind of thoughtful, introspective, and considerate. And for me, one of the big issues with Secret Invasion is it does the thing that like Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings does with the Mandarin from Iron Man 3, which is, yeah, but it wasn't comics accurate, was it? Oh, and fuck. So basi- yeah, and so basically goes back to, well, you know, that whole like borderline racist treatment of the scrolls. Let's do that again because um, it's comics accurate and it's in the comics. I think the show is trying to do it delicately. I think it's trying to grapple with big themes like assimilation, integration, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that it's not Andor. It's not as good as Andor. So it's like lacks the finesse that you need to do the stuff that it is trying to do. And it instead kind of feels a little bit more like 24 on some of its less considerate days. 24 with a hangover. That kind of vibe is, Ooh, is what it feels like at times. No. Yeah. Uh, it's grumpy. It's grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are going to love that because you know what? A lot of people are grumpy. Yeah, fair, um, fair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, that's a bummer. Um, and then uh, I, I don't. I, I I don't have anything interesting to talk about that I've watched. Jack, do you have anything interesting to talk about that you've watched? Um, my I will just reiterate the story that I uh, I gave to you, which is you know we had a, a like you know a box office is always uh, fun uh, for those of us who you know like movies and are interested in the business of movies. We pay attention to the box office because it's an indicator of like what the general public is into, and I think it's very interesting. I don't think it's the end all be all of a movie of a franchise of anything, but I think it's very interesting. And we had a relatively poor box office weekend for two larger properties right like a pixar and a dc Mm -hmm. uh were were basically flops this weekend and so like my big story is uh i was on vacation last week with my family and uh, you know weekend comes up and we're out of town and it's a very chill uh and uh relaxed vacation we're just kind of doing whatever we want to do and we get to the weekend. It's like, well, you know, we we have a couple options here. Uh, we don't have anything planned for tonight. Oh, hey, the uh, we got Elemental at the movie theater. We got The Flash at the movie theater. You guys want to go see a movie uh, or else we can kind of just hang in the hotel and watch Game Show Network. And so me and the family hung in the hotel and watched the Game Show Network because 
if it was a, a, a race between uh, these, fr- you know, storied franchise films and Regis Philbin giving us 90s trivia, we chose Regis, baby. Mr. Chronodome. Uh, Wheel of Fortune, right? Uh, he does. Who right. wants to be a millionaire? Uh, Regis, ah. who is... Who Regis is, is very dead. Is very dead. Oh, okay. Re- Regis, oh, okay. Sorry. So this is 90s era, who wants to be a millionaire? That's what the family chose when given the option of Elemental, The Flash, or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> on five nights a week in 2001 yeah. on ABC. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so it was huge. Uh, it was huge, and by the way, the kids loved it. They were like, "This is the yeah. best show." <laughs> yeah, I don't care about Elemental. I don't care about the Flash, but this Regis guy's got it. <laughs> Hopefully, the the RCU, the Regis Cinematic Universe, is coming. Oh, out. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't one of the big theater trains over there should rebrand as the Regis knee? Uh, oh. right, I so- love it. We, you know, we saw that we got to we got to take in uh, the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra was doing a live uh, orchestral score to the Princess Bride. Oh, that's uh, great! Wow, which was like taking their very like simplistic like synth and acoustic guitar score and making it an entire symphony was a goddamn treat. Uh, So we we saw that, uh, and that was um, beautiful. Actually, the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra is doing one to Jaws soon that we are going to um, because we got into it. We got very much into it. So, like, no, like, I haven't been watching anything new. (laughs) I've just been uh, watching Regis and uh, the the Princess Bride. Amazing. Yeah. There are worse things to watch. (laughs) Yeah, those are the two most uh, most important (laughs) things. yeah, the two we'll, genders, Regis and the yeah. Princess Bride. Yeah. <laughs> the full inside spectrum. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. two wolves inside all of us. Um, yeah, and we're gonna. Yeah, I saw someone mention Black Mirror. I actually didn't get a chance to watch any of the seasons of Black Mirror. I'm a okay. big Black Mirror fan in general, mm-hmm. so maybe we'll save it for next week. Um, cool. I'll get a chance to watch these. And so, uh, Darren, you have a piece going up tomorrow, right? Out of focus. Yes, um, out of focus. I'll be looking at it. Um, yeah, uh, high level is that I, I really like two of them. I thought one of them was fine. I didn't like two of them. It's an anthology show, so I'm happy. That's like um, every season of Black Mirror for me. Yeah, which is which is great. Like it, it's it's like thirty percent phenomenal, thirty percent fine, thirty yeah. percent bad. Yeah, and yeah. it's like that's a pretty good mix. Like as yeah. far as an anthology goes, and yeah, you know, I don't, I just have to rewatch the good ones. That's all I ask. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, really quick, you you mentioned you saw the uh, upcoming Jennifer Lawrence. Um, um, uh, oh, Rocky, no hard feelings. Uh, yeah, yeah, no hard feelings. Uh, should people go to the theaters to see that this weekend? No, unfortunately not, uh, which is a shame because I'm a big rom-com fan. Um, obviously, I really, 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 really loved uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance early this year. And I even liked Marry Me last year is how much of a soft touch I am. The problem with No Hard Feelings is that it's like trying to be three things at once. The basic premise of the movie is that like Jennifer Lawrence is hired by a rich couple to quote unquote date their son before he goes to college to basically to take his virginity and give him the confidence to go forward. And so, oh yes, yeah. So that is a loaded premise. And the problem with the movie is that it approaches it in three different ways, none of which work on their own or in combination. The first way is it's this really kind of morose and morbid study of like the American middle class and its erosion, where it's this story about like Montauk and how it's been taken over by these blow-ins who come in with this money and are displacing the local population and how there's really no way for Jennifer Lawrence to like secure her family home without selling her body in order to progress. And it's like, this doesn't really feel like the fun sex romp that the trailer <laughs> promised. And then the trailer's like, okay, okay, okay. So second movie 
Second movie is a uh, body comedy in which characters have no consistency whatsoever and will do whatever it takes to get a goofy laugh at least once every 10 minutes. So we'll have this moment where she talks about how sad it is that she can't afford payments on her house, but it's okay because she's going to get maced in the face so hard um, in a moment, and that will be hilarious. Um, And then the third thing it tries to do is it tries to be like a weird sentimental coming of age movie about like that last summer before you go to college, you know, the familiar kind of thing. And none of those three movies work individually and none of them work together because when you're watching the sad morose movie you're like wait somebody's ass was just on fire because they ran into a barbecue and then when you're watching the body sex comedy you're like but but wait hold on she's got a past due bill there and she's talking about how she hasn't talked to her father who was one of rich asshole who knocked up her mother and she never left town because he never wrote back to her and then like when you get to the sentimental coming of age story you're also like yeah but her his parents paid her to sleep with him so i don't know what this relationship is meant to be and none of those elements really cohere and it's a shame because like you lawrence i'm a big fan of lawrence i think she's incredibly charismatic she can do any of those three movies in her sleep. Mm-hmm. She's an Oscar nominee. She is like cool girl Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, and she's also like an engaging, like charismatic screen presence. Mm-hmm. The problem is the movie never really knows what it wants from her on like anything more than an individual scene to scene basis. And so it just it doesn't work. I'm sorry. Um, well, also, she's in her 30s and the kid's probably 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, 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 that comes out like one of the one of the better jokes is the moment where the parents like put an ad looking for a woman in her early 20s. And like they have an entire conversation with Lawrence where she's like, I was 29 last year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're 30, 32. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, no, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, you no. Have, you have to see it for the show. Uh, <laughs> we're probably never gonna talk about this movie again but you gotta see it for the show no uh, no I'll... i'm gonna start texting you that you have to see movies for the show and then there's just no episode that week <laughs> <laughs> that's just clear it with omar that i can no longer edit adventure is not i have to see these all these j-lo the these uh, j-law rom-coms now that's my new job i'm sorry <laughs> You just like log out of the Fourth of July. You're like, why is no one here? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Schedule changes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, incredible. Incredible. Um, do you guys want to wrap it up there after after a yeah. show that went beyond the tight ninety rule? So, oh. Sorry, that was a great conversation. It was great. Don't apologize. That was there were three keys to this, and all three of us uh, turned. We all turned them. We had a little. You know, I feel like we got a lot uh, out of our system as far as the Flash is concerned. Uh, yeah. so that's great. Yeah, which one uh, of us is young Barry? Which one of us is superhero Barry? And which one of us is made of metal Barry? That's the question at the end of this. I want to be I want to be evil, but I like made of metal Barry. Okay. It seems like even though he's committed crimes, his crimes are more forgivable than the real Barry. Time crimes. Time <laughs> crimes, crime. baby. Time crimes are great. I'll uh, I'll be also, Time Crimes is a great movie. Time Crimes is a great movie. I'll be young Barry because like I maybe I still got a little bit of heart in me, but uh, I'm just mm. making mistakes all over the place. Okay, and so I, I guess I'm the Barry who's responsible for this movie being in the shape that it is. I'm regular Barry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Womp womp. You're the most learned of us all, so you win. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> You're the only one who of putting the babies in the microwaves. And I learned nothing, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> Blue Beetle in theaters this August. 
Jack, Ooh, you yeah. uh, mentioned you are you are knee deep in adventure uh, Adventures Night season three, which we will be seeing at some point in July. It sounds like, which I, is very exciting. I I have no idea when it's going to be out. Uh, I know, like Nick's been throwing out July. He has not talked to me about that at all. Yeah. So I'm just going to start just laying a big fan of July. I'm just going to start laying those expectations into soft territory. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, lowercase uh, July, yeah. I uh, episode one not edited July yet. 2024. <laughs> yeah, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, on July, we didn't say which July. Oh, fair, that's <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah, we are currently working on it. I'm working with Omar, we have all the footage together. We are currently working on it. I do not know when it's gonna be out. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no machete, uh, I cannot turn this in on time. Uh, so we will see. And but that's why you're not directing The Brave and the Bold. Exactly. Sorry. It'll be done when it's done. Uh, until then, we have a few sets of our Adventures Night dice out. Uh, we have our fantastic uh, season one and two uh, recap video uh, oh, narrated by uh, Frost, who uh, unfortunately could not be here today, which is why you get me instead. Um, uh, you know, Frost only mispronounced a handful of words. That's going to be our next uh, our next big thing is a pronunciation guide for the world of Angundari. That'll be great. Uh, and, uh, so watch that. It's beautiful. And uh, season three, uh, done when it's done. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, Darren, uh, we mentioned your your uh, glut of uh, Flash things, including your incredible Flash uh, video review. Just popped in there. And then the last couple pieces you've written have all been Flash-centric in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's the only time that I'm ever going to talk about The Flash. So I'm, I'm very confident, like Barry, I have learned not to dwell in the past and move forward. Um, so, yeah, I am. we're entering the summer season. means that there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be covered. So I'll be doing weekly recaps of Secret Invasion, weekly recaps of Strange New Worlds. I will give a shout out uh, as somebody who did not like the first season of Strange New Worlds, the episode of Strange New Worlds this week, which is Ad Astra per Aspara, I think it is, um, is probably my favorite live action star trek episode in about five years um oh, it wow. is a proper it's a good old-fashioned corny didactic heavy-handed moralistic hand on its heart kind of like goofy parable yes. uh, which is the kind of star trek yeah the kind of star trek that i fell in love with as a kid mm -hmm. and if you're doing 90s star trek and you're doing 90s star trek nostalgia it's a great way to do it uh, i would recommend checking out that episode i'll be covering it as well here uh, tomorrow out of focus we'll be taking a look at black mirror i'll be talking about the sixth season um as a whole uh, and then i don't know what i'm covering on friday there's no major release and nick has only just gotten back from holiday that means i can do whatever i want so i'm gonna figure out what that is i know i'm not gonna oh, bother yeah. nick yeah but we'll no, figure it out right. it's fine it's fine we'll fix it in post um i don't know what that means for articles but it's fine we'll fix it in post uh and then the last couple super chats nick grumbles thank you so much for a five dollar dono great show have some bucks and then simple simon with five dollar dono great show have some cucks Listen, worth the five dollars. I think that was a five dollar joke. I think that was worth it. <laughs> it made, made me laugh. Uh, yeah, check out uh, check out everything we have going. On. Uh, no, no stream later today because Nick is still mm. on vacation and Frost is still without power for a while. Um, however, we'll be back with uh, tomorrow with uh, Post CP. Yahtzee will be there, um, and then Breakout tomorrow night. We'll probably be talking a lot about there's a Nintendo Direct tomorrow morning at nine a.m. First thing we wake up, a full forty minute Direct. Whoa. Jack, Nintendo Direct tomorrow as I live and breathe. Show the, the Pikmin. Big Jim Nintendo is coming big, to your house. 
Nintendo's here. You're getting 30 years of Illumination movies. Uh, and then, uh, yes, uh, Lampy, tonight I'll be streaming on my personal channel, so check that out around 6, six Central. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, next week we'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Black Mirror, uh, more on Secret Invasion. We'll talk about some indie, talk about some... I'm going to see Asteroid City this weekend, which I'm very excited for. Oh, I'm Anderson seeing that tomorrow movie. night. I'm very excited. What, Jack, what was that Wes Anderson face? You I don't like Wes Anderson? I haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie since the Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. yeah, Jack doesn't need to see Wes Anderson. Jack, uh, Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino, he, at a certain point, Jack's like, yeah, I, I got it. I got I it. I, I, I get it. I got yeah, it. I get it. I'm done. I'll see him eventually. I'm sure I'll enjoy him. Not high on my priority yeah. list. Yeah, it's fine. You got AI-generated AI videos to tie Joe over, you know? I got I got TikToks. I don't need to watch the movie. I'm watching it on a, <laughs> on a TikToks. I, I love, by the way, that TikTok is apparently a channel for watching like Goodfellas in like five minute increments. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, maybe the kids are, are all right. I'm like, no, I don't know if they are. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's all right anymore. Mm-hmm. That was the last thing I took away from the flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for Jack and Darren, this was Marty. This was a uh, recap episode number 36. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to all the, the Green Gang, all the members, everyone who donated, everyone who bought Dice on Dice Envy. We really appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. We are almost sold out of those. So thank you so much. Um, uh, and then otherwise, we'll see you all later. Okay. Bye, everybody. Yes, the die is cast. Oh, bye. Son of a bitch. <laughs>